This is 2020. All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken Spoken. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twoodwell, here inside the KC Beard Co. Studios with my guys, Trevor Twoodwell. What's going on? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Bringing you into the 2020 season, the 2020 calendar. We're really excited, guys. This is um a, a, a pretty, I would say, uh, a big-time show for us. we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, the content that we're going to try to give you guys is really important for the show, but this is episode 45, and this is our first official show in the year 2020. Yep. And we're really excited about it, guys. We started this thing back in February, middle of February of 2019, and it's been an absolute blast. We reflected upon it a little bit in the group uh, this week when I talked about how, you know, nine years ago we started this thing and really wanted to, you know, to take this thing as far as we possibly could. I had no idea nine years ago that we'd be doing a weekly podcast and there'd be as many people across the quite frankly, the globe that would be a part of this whole thing and the connections we made and the friendships we made. It's just been an absolute blast. So I want to thank all of you guys uh, before we get this thing going. Just thank you so much for being a part of what we do here, being a part of uh, everything that this is because it isn't just us. You guys contribute just as much as we do, and we appreciate all the listeners and all the participants as well. So let's get right into this, man, because there is, like I said, a ton to talk about. And it isn't all Chiefs, believe it or not, man. we got a lot of NFL to talk about tonight. And, um, man, I, I don't even know where to begin. So let's just get right into the season. Let's get right into the 2019-2020 season. Because if you guys recall in episode 28, we did ourselves a little bit of a prediction show. And uh, I told the guys this week, I told Trevor and I told Eddie, hey, man, listen, we're going to go back into the into the old archives and get into that, get into that and see how crazy our uh, predictions went. I'll go ahead and uh, I'll recap on the Chiefs for a second before we get into because we're gonna we're obviously gonna talk about you know our division winners and things like that what we're, who we had making the playoffs and things like that but I want to reflect a little bit on the Chiefs first because obviously I know the majority of you that are listening to this probably care about the Chiefs more than the rest of the league. My God, I, I don't really know how else to to describe this season so far, and it's not over yet, so I don't want to put this whole thing in a nutshell yet, but. To this point, I mean, I, I've often said on the show, and we've talked about it many times on the show and outside of the show, that this has been – it isn't even just about the season. It's about the offseason too. There was so much – I, as a Chiefs fan, I cannot remember a single time, a single offseason that had as much, I mean, quite frankly, drama mm-hmm. attached to uh, simultaneously so much expectation going into the season. We had – for the first time, realistic Super Bowl expectations. Even in going into the 2018 season, I think a lot of us were really excited because of Patrick Mahomes, because of the unknown of having a franchise quarterback, a guy you drafted, and now you're unleashing the beast of sorts. Even with all of that, myself, I can only speak for myself, but I didn't have Super Bowl aspirations. I felt like it. the Chiefs had a legitimate chance, mm. but I wasn't picking the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. Coming into this season – 
with the expectations of an AFC championship appearance, and you should have won that game, and I would have felt really good against the Rams in that Super Bowl, it was different this time around. And attaching that to what happened with Tyreek Hill and losing Kareem Hunt in the in the season, you know, going into this season, is Damian Williams the answer? And, uh, you know, injuries going into the season, you know, uh, Frank Clark, you're trading an amount, a, a serious amount of draft pick or draft value for Frank Clark. Uh, giving him a hundred plus million dollars, not paying Chris Jones, and uh, right. you know the, the unknown of the uncertainty of the defense with Steve Spagnolo and Tyron Matthew, and losing Justin Houston and D Ford, and you know not knowing how this defense is really like if it's ever going to take shape. Is it going to be really different than Bob Sutton's style of defense? There were so many questions, and quite frankly, so much stress before the season even started, that by the time week one came around and the Chiefs went and hung 40 on the Jags, a team that a lot of people thought was going to be a playoff team or at least a fringe playoff team, you started to to feel that shift. But what do you know? In the middle of that game, Tyreek Hill gets injured and we lose him for four, what, four or five weeks. And you're thinking – And come back to week six. Yeah, and then Eric Fisher gets hurt, I believe it was a week two against the the, the Raiders and – you're like, holy shit, man! This is this is bad. And then yeah, the, Mahomes the, is banged up from week one. Man. Yeah, and, and then yeah. and then you have the Ravens coming into t- into town for the home opener, and you're talking about a Ravens team that was averaging like 39, 40 points a game going into that game, yeah. and you beat that team without Eric Fisher and Tyreek Hill, and you're 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 what trying to make sense. Yeah, you're trying to make sense of it because then the following week you lose nineteen to thirteen mm. to the damn Colts. Yeah, and you know, like I said, I don't want to go down every single week. I'm just saying that. I'm looking back at this and I'm thinking, my God, us fans deserve this bye week just as much as the players do because it. I mean, as fun as the season has been, it's also been equally stressful. I, I, I want to. I, 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 you guys feel the same way? I feel Absolutely. like this season has just aged us so much as fans, but at the same time, it's been such a blast to follow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's the season of obstacles and and, and you know having to overcome things. Like last year, everything went so smooth. You know, compared to this season, it's. The main thing I take away from this season, though, is us being able to take a punch, whether it's it's with injuries or it's within the game itself, like when the, the Patriots game. You know, we've seen this team overcome, and obviously the story of the year is the defense. I mean, that's the, the biggest surprise is our secondary. Um, but yeah, just I've gained so much even even more respect for this team and this in this new coaching staff this season than I maybe have respected any Chiefs team ever. Just with the resilience and the perseverance that we've that we've shown, even when Mahomes was out. And Matt Moore came in, and our coaches stepped it up, and, and you know Matt Moore made the plays we needed. I know we, I know we lost the Packers game, but we were very much that was a very winnable game without Patrick Mahomes, and I truly believe we would have won that game without Patrick Mahomes or with Patrick Mahomes. Um, but yeah, this season, man, it's been it's definitely been an emotional roller coaster. Uh, week by week, we were uncertain, you know, who was going to be healthy, who was going to be on the field, or where we could have all of our weapons together. You know, I think the, our, all of our guys were together for maybe five games this year, maybe. Um, you know, there's still some questions heading into the playoffs, but I think winning five games to go into the playoffs against some tough defenses, maybe not the best quarterback uh, we faced, but heading into the playoffs, we have every reason to feel confident, you know, with uh, the defense playing the way it is, um, you know, and I want to see some more out of Sammy Watkins. But, yeah, this year, like you said, it's been agonizing at times, um, but I, I feel extremely confident heading into this this postseason, man, so. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, man, it's uh, like you said, it's uh, an emotional roller coaster. Uh, it was all over the place. Uh, you know, starting uh, against the Jaguars, you never knew what was going to happen. Like Tyreek mm-hmm. falling out, then you had Eric Fisher going out in the week two, 
that's those, those injuries that you didn't predict. And and then obviously you had Patrick Mahomes fall fall for two two and a half games, almost three games. Yeah, and, and and I mean at those those times you're like, man, like are we are we even gonna make the playoffs this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, our defense was playing, I think, worse than last year's defense for the beginning, right? For the first six games, I believe. Uh, we we had horrible rushing defense. It was just it, it started. I, I think it started. It was starting to make that some of the Chiefs fans uh, doubt the team. Doubt, doubt that they'll actually get get it get it going get get it get uh, get to the playoffs uh, healthy and all this stuff and and I mean each player that came in though they weren't better than the player that went out they they stepped in the, in a great way uh, obviously Cam Irvin that's a different topic but yeah <laughs> uh, then you had Eric Fisher come back then you had Tyreek Hill get healthy then you had Nicole Harmon stepping in Sammy Watkins uh, he, yeah he's been in and out but he also stepped in. Uh, uh, for Tyreek, pretty much on the week one game, and it's been gone and ever since. It's been gone <laughs> ever since. He's been, he's been Casper most of the season. But, yeah. uh, and then the defense, the, the way the defense made that change from uh, from the Broncos game, because that's exactly where he begun. Mm-hmm. That, that's where the defense started dominating this game and, and started actually helping the Chiefs get uh, win games. So from that from that uh, from that game on, it, it was more of a holy crap! Like, can yeah. this defense keep the momentum? Can this offense catch up to the defense with that momentum? Because yeah. we saw the defense struggle with Patrick Mahomes after the Broncos. After like uh, after he came back, he came back with with the Titans. Obviously, played a great game, but after that, they kind of slowed down and started fading a little bit. And, and the defense was getting more most most of the attention. So you're like, can the can the offense catch the defense in, in, yeah. in that kind of way, in that kind of yeah. momentum, kind of yeah. And, and the last five weeks, uh, the last three weeks, I'm gonna say that the offense started coming back alive, started yeah. coming back alive, and started getting hot. And I guess the Chargers, for some odd reason, our running game just fucking it was there. It was finally yeah. there. It, it was it was gone all season, but right. all of a sudden it, it just popped up. So I'm feeling confident with the Chiefs the way they are right now, getting the bye week. Being able to rest the players, being able to get more healthy mm-hmm. with this bye week, and obviously Andy Reid is one of the best coaches coming off of that bye. So yeah, yeah I'm super yeah, confident. No, I say I will say just one more thing. I will say last year was great. It was fun. It was an absolute ride, man. It was the best, most fun I ever had as a Chiefs fan was last year ever. Um, but I like this year better because I've never seen us be so battle tested and and feel ready to take on these tough matchups or whatever comes our way. I feel confident no matter who we're playing, whether it's on the road or home, I feel confident we can do what it takes and, 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 and win. It doesn't matter which, which matchup it is, whether it's Titans, anybody's scared of the Titans. I don't really care who it is. We already shown that we can beat the Patriots in Foxborough, but they, this time if they, if we matched up again, it would be an arrowhead. And I feel even more comfortable in that moment. Um, but I want to say that this team is so, it's just been a pleasure, not a pleasure. It's been pleasurable and painful this season to see this just for this team to show its its ability to face adversity head on and overcome it, you know, and to see our defense understand that they need to help the offense out a little more because the offense has been banged up and they stepped up. Spagnola stepped up and was it was able to change up things and, and blitz more and, and mix up the packages. It's just been good to see us morph with the competition and, and make the, the proper changes needed because we didn't see that last year. Had every, on paper, he had everything we had to win the Super Bowl last year. It was just a matter of coaches not wanting to adapt and make changes necessary. And I feel that this team has done nothing but that. And that's the difference for me this year is the ability to see what we have, 
you know, see the adversity ahead and, and make the proper changes to prepare. Outside of that Titans game, I feel we did that for the most part. Outside of that Titans and maybe the Colts game. Yeah. The Colts game was just an absolute embarrassment. We just laid an egg. Yeah. I, yeah. The, the weeks weeks seven through t- seven through ten this season, are, I think, is what really – I think is the ultimate example of what this Chiefs team has been this season. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you lose Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Trevor, you and I talked as soon as it happened. We thought yeah. the season was over because there's no way the Chiefs are going to – string together any type of, you know, one single victory without him, because, you know, everybody talks to me, you know, we, we, there's this ongoing debate about, you know, is it the 2018 chiefs, the 2019 chiefs that you'd rather have, or who's the better team or, you know, which one would you rather, you know, have right now? And and for me, it's, it's very simple. You have the, the the difference between the two teams, the difference between the 2018 and the uh, 2019 chiefs is this, and it's very, very simple. The 2018 Chiefs were winning because of Patrick Mahomes. The 2019 Chiefs are winning with Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. There's a significant difference between the two. So I I will slightly disagree with you on the fact that you said that, you know, last year they had everything for them to win last season. I actually think that's not necessarily factual because of the fact the Chiefs had no business going as far as they did last season with the defense being as bad as it was. I get the coaching was a large portion of that. The roster, we had the roster. The defensive side, I don't think so. I think we did. There's, uh, okay, the here's my thing. Hold on. Here's the reason why I disagree. Because if that was the fact, the Chiefs would have, wouldn't have gone eight new starters in the offseason this year. Well, that's true. But we also you know, cleaned house on all the coaches. I think that's the bigger but, one. But I think that also, I think Steve Spagnuolo, if he, wanted to, if he wanted to keep the defense as is because he felt like they had the personnel to work with, I agree that there's a defensive was, scheme was a change. Major scheme issue there. I don't think that they had. I think Steve Nelson was killing this defense. For sure. I don't think no I, safety. Play. I don't think Justin Houston and, right. and D Ford were long for the road with this team anymore. Right. I do like. I do think Justin Houston has plenty of juice left, but D Ford was obviously a guy you didn't want to pay or franchise tag. Right. The point is this: is that I think that there is significant differences between these two teams within a calendar year of themselves, and I think that week seven through ten, the 2018 Chiefs would not have been able to survive. Because of the fact they would have been able to score points, right. but I don't think they would have withstood. Oh, better, if doubt. Patrick Mahomes would have yeah. got hurt in Week Seven of last year, mm-hmm. the Chiefs don't oh, get the one seed. No, no, no. Yeah, they, they might they might drop all three games, and you're looking at a team that goes from potentially one seeds to not making the playoffs because the yeah. Chargers were rolling. Yeah, and that's the point is that I like this team so much better now, and I agree with you. I, I I've said this, and I, I feel like yes, although last year was more fun. Last year was way more fun. It was a lot yeah. more fun because the Chiefs were just scoring all the time. It's a highlight reel every it's, single it's, week. It's, it's yeah. this team is more Super Bowl ready. Oh yeah, this team is more Super Bowl I, I, ready. I think, we, I think, we, that, I think this year, man. I think yeah. this year is more more of a complete team than it was last Absolutely. year. No doubt, just, no doubt. Just because yeah. of what, the way the defense is playing. I, I think if we were to carry last year's defense to to this year, I don't think they like Lance said. I don't think they would have been able to survive any of the uh, seventy ten. We were we were one penalty away, man. We had the pieces to get it done. We just we no the, the uh, chief, but the Chiefs overachieved because of how great Patrick Mahomes yeah. was last season. And, and then this year we saw, or yeah, we saw what Patrick Mahomes can be with the good defense. He's yeah. he was not he was not the greatest greatest at his position this year, mm. but. Because of this, uh, because of the defense, and because of the way they were playing games, oh, yeah. they were able we're to play complimentary football. Yes, this year. they were able to. Yeah. They were able to uh, play more of a like a, I guess, a, a close game without having to worry about losing or, you know, blowing yeah. up. So I, I, I guess the, a lot of people look at the numbers and they're like, well, uh, see, last year you had thirty-five points per game or some shit like that. Yeah. 
And then this year you're down to like in the 20s. Yeah, teams aren't able to go down there and have long-ass drives to keep Mahomes off the field anymore because our defense is getting teams off the field. Exactly. That's the biggest difference. And and, and then now with the running game within the last two games, it's it's been slowly coming in. Yeah, that's been been an unhealthy revolving door all year too. And and now we're able to eat a little bit of that clock, you know. Mm -hmm. Hopefully in the playoffs we can start, you know, chewing the clock a little bit more. And knowing the defense, the way they've been playing, knowing that they can't uh, take that their offense out mm-hmm. and bring Patrick Mahomes back into the game, it, so it, it's it's a lot better. I feel a lot more confident about this team you. than I did about last. last year. Well, I, I will tell you one thing: I'm not confident about entirely is uh, some of my early predictions for the NFL <laughs> season. Everybody, like I mentioned earlier, uh, episode 28, we did our official. Uh, NFL 2019-2020 NFL predictions. We went division by division, team by team, record by record. We went we went through the whole gamut, man, and it was an absolute blast. That was one of my favorite episodes we've ever done, even though uh, we had a technical glitch, and I think the NFC South got deleted for a period of time. So mm-hmm. forgive us long, long ago, guys, for that. That was not our fault, I, I promise. I, th- I think I think our, still uh, our app had a – still bitter. A, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so blame Anchor for that one. Yeah. Email them at Anchor. Um, but – we're, we're going to go through this real quick, guys. I, want, I don't want to take too much of the time on this because we had, a, like I said, a ton to talk about tonight. Um, but on the NFC side, um, I, I felt pretty good about my NFC East picks. I did pick the Eagles to win that division and for the Cowboys to miss uh, the playoffs. That ended up becoming true. Mm-hmm. I did have the Packers win, winning the NFC North and the Vikings actually missing the playoffs. So I did miss on the Vikings on that one by one game. Uh, I had them missing the playoffs on one game. They ended up winning, getting to the playoffs by one game. Uh, I, t- I had the damn Falcons winning the NFC South. Now, I will say they played much better in the second half of the season. They did play like a playoff team. They rallied, but my God, that first half of the season, they were terrible yeah. on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Had a lot of injuries. You know, Keanu Neal got hurt and a lot of different guys missing pieces and things of that nature. They just could not adjust. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold nil on that one for sure. Did have the Saints making the playoffs, though. Um, I did have the Seahawks winning the division in the NFC West at 12-4. and four. And the Rams at 10 and 6 making the playoffs. I was wrong about the Rams. I was wrong about the Seahawks, even though I was right about their record. Because the fucking Niners, man. Yeah. I mean, I had the over, you Trevor, I know I don't want to give your prediction out, but you did say you had the Niners at what? I had the Niners at six and ten. Yeah, I had the Niners at three and thirteen. <laughs> so let's let's go ahead and hold all the L's because that's the opposite Shit. of what their record was. In yeah. fact, they went three thirteen and three. I gave them six wins just because I like Shanahan. I thought he was a great coach. I didn't think they were ready, man. I, I thought they had holes, and that's actually the opposite. They're the expect- most complete yeah. team in the NFL. I thought they'd have a good offense, but I did, did not think that this defense would be. This so good. holy shit, I could yeah. not have been more wrong on that one, Trevor. Yeah. Go ahead, give me give me your NFC. My NFC, I actually, I actually nailed the NFC outside of the NFC West. Which, thanks to the 49ers for that, but the NFC East. Yeah, I had the I had the Eagles winning uh, the division at ten and six, and the Cowboys missing the playoffs at nine and seven. Um, NFC North, I had the Packers and the Vikings both making it out. I had the Pack- Packers winning the division eleven five, Vikings at ten and six. Damn near nailed that one. Uh, NFC South, obviously, I had the Saints. I just I believed in the Saints all the way through. I just thought they were the better team in that division. Uh, I definitely saw the Panthers and the Bucks regressing, and that that took place. Uh, Falcons, I had them at ten and six, barely missing the playoffs though. But so I did expect the Falcons to be good, but just outside of it. Uh, and the NFC West, man, I had the Rams at 10 and 6 and the Seahawks 10 and 6, both making the playoffs out of there. Um, the Rams definitely were one of the biggest, biggest disappointments in the actual, in the entire league this year. Um, so that blundered and I did not expect them to be that bad. But, uh, yeah, 49ers, man, I had them at 6 and 10, just one win over the Cardinals, one win higher than the Cardinals. So, yeah, the, the 49ers just absolutely just destroyed 
my entire prediction for that division. So. Yep. Man, I don't think anybody could be more more wrong. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. I'm looking at my numbers. And I'm like, oh. the Niners are just giving us the double yeah, bird right now, man. Like, like, you. That happens every year. There's always a team that does that. Yeah, yeah man. Always. For the we NFC East, yeah. For the NFC East, I had the Eagles winning the division, obviously. Uh, but I had them going 11 and five. And then I had the Cowboys going nine and seven, completely missing the playoffs. I got that right. Yeah, I think we all three got the Cowboys out of the playoffs. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. Um, and then for the North, <laughs> for the NFC North, I had the the Bears winning the division. Uh, I can't yeah. knock you for that. Yeah, I laughed at eight. Year. We all laughed at me of the Niners. Oh, we left. I had the Bears at eight and eight. They went eight and eight. Yeah, so the year they had a, they had a high. They had the easiest schedule yeah. in the fucking uh, uh, schedule all of last Mitch. season. And they had tier, yeah, and the entire NFL. Yeah, no wonder they went Mitch. twelve and four. Yeah. And I had the Bears going ten and six. Then I had the Packers going nine. Uh, Packers Vikings going both uh, nine and seven, both missing mm. the playoffs. Uh, Double L. <laughs> for, for the NFC West, uh, I had the the Rams winning the division uh, with thirteen and three. Uh, thirteen and three. Gotcha. Uh, I completely fucked that up. Yeah. <laughs> But I did have the Seahawks going into the playoffs at ten six, uh, and I also had the Niners going five and eleven, one win more than than the Cardinals. Yes, you guys couldn't get more wrong than me. I mean, I I, I hold the I'm <laughs> the reigning three and thirteen. Three and thirteen. Man. I went all out for <laughs> no the respect for Shanahan. Bro. No respect, bro. I, I, Rodney Dangerfield the shit no out of that one. I saw that defense is what what really carried. Them this no year. question, yeah, no, man. I expected them to have a good offense. Well, they're, they're off, and it's actually the other way around. I mean, yeah. they're, they're the best running offense I think in the league, but. That defense is just gnarly this year, man. Well, on the AFC side, oh, I uh, so we had I, I had four I had yeah, four of the six playoff teams on the NFC side make it. Um, on the NFC on the AFC side, I actually had four of the six as well. Yeah, uh, obviously I had the Patriots winning the East, but I did miss on the Bills. Um, I thought initially, Trevor, you had the Bills in the I playoffs, but you too, just man. had them right outside of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fine. I mean, you were higher on them than I was. I had them at six and ten this year. They ended up with the second easiest schedule in the league, so they capitalized on it and got themselves yeah. ten wins. Uh, on the AFC North side, so this one was a little bit tricky because the Steelers, I had them actually winning the North this year. Mm-hmm. I thought Ben Roethlisberger was going to be healthy. And as you saw the season progress, that Steelers team was better than a lot of people gave them credit. Oh, they yeah. were right outside the playoffs with their third and fourth string quarterbacks, a dude named Duck. So, that, I mean, let's be real here. They, they had Ben Roethlisberger. They're in the playoffs this yeah, year. Juju wasn't even... I was I was the only one in this fucking show that had the Ravens in the playoffs. I had them as oh, the five seed. Had the Ravens. I had them at ten and six. Oh man! And I I I believed in the Ravens. I didn't think Lamar Jackson was going to be MVP. Lamar Jackson, but I thought he was going to progress. I thought their defense was going to be solid. Uh, they did lose some players in the offseason, but I felt like John Harbaugh was going to have that defense ready. And I and they added the addition of Mark Ingram. I loved for that that team because of the mobility oh, yeah. on the offensive side. We saw that they led the league in I think oh, AFC in rushing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had the Ravens in the playoffs. I did actually have the Browns as a wild card team. I had them at nine and seven. They ended up going six and ten. That team is, you know, you want to talk about the Rams being an utter disappointment. Oh, yeah. uh, look, I mean, most teams that make the Super Bowl and lose don't yeah. make the playoffs the year after. Right. So it didn't shock me a lot that the Ravens, the Rams didn't go back. But the Browns, my God, there was so much hype around this team, and they looked like, I mean, they they, they were straight ass, man. I mean, from the very beginning with Freddie Kitchens, you know, after the fight with uh, uh, Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett wearing the shirt about, you know, yeah. Rudolph started it and all this other bullshit. You knew this team was a cesspool just waiting to to emerge, and so yeah. that 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 was a bad pick on my behalf. And then on the AFC South side, um, I was a big believer in the Titans, man. I thought yeah. they were going to win this division at nine and seven. They didn't win the division. But they did make the playoffs at nine and seven. My personal opinion: if they would have went with Tannehill earlier in the year. 
this team would have won this division. They would probably won 11, 12 games, in fact, because Brandon Tannehill is just such a better quarterback than Mariota, come to find out. I thought Mariota was going to have a career year because it was mm-hmm. a contract year. Come to find out this dude was kneeling at the end of games for Tannehill after he did his work. You know, right. So that, that, was, that was a bad pick on my behalf. I had the Texans at 8-8 eight and eight, missing the playoffs. They ended up going eleven and five, or yeah, eleven and five, and uh, getting into the winning the AFC South. Yeah, and then finally in the AFC West, uh, I actually, you know, I had the Chiefs. I winning the winning the AFC West at fourteen and two. They ended up being twelve and four. Mm-hmm. I, I've said I just tweeted this out actually uh, before the show. The difference between the Chiefs and the Ravens. One of the teams had the uh, the Miami Dolphins and the Bengals twice, mm-hmm. and the other one didn't. The Ravens went fourteen and two. The Chiefs went twelve and four. If you switch schedules, Chiefs are going fourteen and two, even with the injuries. The Ravens had such an easier schedule. I know they had the Niners and things of that nature, but even when they faced the Patriots and the Niners, it was in Baltimore. So that's what people have to remember: is even their toughest games of their schedule were at home. The Chiefs had to go to New England. People forget that, and the Chargers game was in Mexico City. So there was a lot of different there was a lot of differences going on, man. So I, I feel that the Chiefs could have still went fourteen two, but regardless, and I had the Chargers missing the playoffs, and I was correct. So go ahead, Trevor. Yeah, uh, AFC man, God, it was a shit show for me. Uh, I mean, I had the Pats. Obviously, in the AFC East, I had the Pats winning at twelve and four. Um, I, I was a big believer in the Bills. I was hyping them up all off season, but I did have them missing the playoffs, but going eight and eight. Um, I wish I would have rethought that one a little bit more. But at the beginning of the year, I didn't think much. I just I knew I believed in them as a team and the de- their defense especially. Um, but they had them going eight and eight, uh, missing the playoffs. Uh, AFC North, I did have the Steelers winning the division as well because I, I was a big believer in, in, in Juju and Big Ben. But that obviously changed after Week One. Um, I had them going eleven and five, and then I had the Browns making the playoffs too. But I had the Browns and the Ravens both at nine and seven. But I had the Browns getting the tiebreaker with them, which I was starting to feel good about that when the Browns destroyed them. I think what Week Three or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I was feeling good about that. I was like, man, the Browns you know, turning the tide here a little bit. And, you know, I don't feel, I mean, I feel so bad for Browns fans this year, man. I just, all that talent they brought up, you know, Odell, all the hype, John Dorsey bringing in these guys, Kareem Hunt getting picked up. It's always, you know, Baker being the future. And it's just, I don't, I don't honestly do not know what to expect from the Browns moving forward. And they're already cleaning house. Uh, yeah. I pity those, those fans for sure. Um, factory of sadness is a legit thing. Um, yeah. So I had the Ravens missing the playoffs, man, at nine and seven. Uh, definitely wrong on that one. AFC South, <laughs> I had the Jags winning that division. This was the toughest division for, you to, for me to break down. I know you believed in the Titans. I didn't believe in Mariota to get it done, and obviously I didn't expect – like you said, I didn't expect Tannehill to come in there and start slinging the rock like he was and, and, and you know that defense to be playing as well as it was early. The defense struggled down the stretch, but their defense was really, really good earlier in the year. Um, so, yeah, I had the Jags winning a 9-7 and seven in that division. Uh, Colts – I like Brissett. I always like Brissett. I thought he was a good fit for that offense, and I believed in uh, you know uh, Coach Wright to you know get him, put him in the right position to win games. I had them eight and eight. Texans. I had them missing the playoffs of seven and nine. So I, out of that division, I just had the Jags winning that division, making the playoffs. Uh, AFC West uh, Chiefs. I had them at the top of that, of, of course, uh, fourteen and two. I uh, did have the Chargers making the playoffs at eleven and five. I believed in that roster, man. I thought you know I Derwin James. I thought he was going to be healthy. Uh, he went down early. Um, you know, I, th- I thought that defense was going to be really, really good this year. They just—they never can stay healthy. I don't know what it is in their facility, in their water, or what it is over there. I just—they never—they always crumble. Um, I thought they would finish strong, but they didn't. Um, Broncos had eight and eight, and Raiders had a four and twelve. Um, so yeah, that's that's my AFC there, man. Real quick, Eddie, what do you got, man? All right. So on the AFC East, I have the Patriots going twelve and four, obviously winning the division. Uh, 
but I didn't believe in the Bills, uh, and I didn't believe in the Jets. But but I thought the Jets were yeah. in a better position than, than the Bills were. Those are two up-and-coming teams. So I had sure. the Jets yeah. going 6-10, and 10, going second in the division. In the AFC North, I obviously believed in Big Ben and Juju. Uh, I, I knew they were going to miss A.B., but I think it was going to be too too much. So I had them going 9-7, and seven, uh, winning the division. And then I had the Browns making the playoffs at 8-8. Eight eight. Check this out. I had the Ravens at 6-10. and 10. <laughs> Dumbass. So, fuck, I'll take that L. Got Lamar on line one. He wants to give you an L. Yeah, at least gave him nine wins. Yeah, Shit. right. Fuck. Uh, for the AFC South, uh, I had the Texans at 10-6, and six, uh, winning the division. Uh, obviously, uh, I thought Jacoby could, could, could possibly make a playoff run or mm-hmm. something like that, but – Either way, I still had them at seven and nine. I, I thought the Colts, that, the Colts, yeah, yeah. I thought that yeah. the change and all that stuff. Uh, Frank Wright's a hell of a coach. He almost I, did it too. I thought it was going to affect them a little bit. So yeah. I, I, they they just needed a little bit of time. So I had them at seven and nine. I had the Titans at three and thirteen because I Jesus. thought Mariota was going to play the whole fucking season. <laughs> and they may have gone three and thirteen if he yeah. had stayed in there. <laughs> so for the AFC West, uh, I had the Chiefs winning the division at twelve and four. Uh, and then I had the Chargers making a wild card at nine and seven because obviously I believed yeah. in that roster. So, yeah. All right, well, so overall we were complete shit. Congratulations, guys, yeah. we did great. Yeah, I so did, I did, podcast, I did come, throw the NFC. Come, come to NFC us for all, did. yeah, come to us for all your intelligent takes and source material, guys. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about tonight, guys. We're just getting started. When we come back, we're going to talk about we're going to address the Juan Thornhill injury. And is are the Chiefs really thinking about trading Chris Jones? We'll get back to all of that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KC Beard Co. Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell Hello. and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. All right, so we just recapped a little bit on the on the season in total. Uh, we could have kept going. I felt like there was so much more we could have went on with that. But we're going to move on a little bit because, like I said, guys, there's a ton to still talk about. Um, and it's going to be mostly about the Chiefs. And we're going to get right back into it with the Chiefs because although we are all still very excited about what is to come and what how the season ended with the Chiefs, you know, peaking at the right time. I think that's very fair to say that this team as a whole, in totality, is peaking. The Chiefs are playing their best football at the perfect time, which is something they didn't even do last season. Although they did beat the crap out of the Raiders in Week 17 of last season, there were some inefficiencies and some concerns on the defensive side especially, oh, yeah. and still the shock of Kareem Hunt not being on the team anymore. You could tell the team was still battling through that. Well, this team this year has battled through even more, and they have come out on top Getting that two seed, I mean, my God, man, everything that happened with the Dolphins game in, in New England fit perfectly for the Chiefs. Like I said, that was such a fun game. Look it was God. such a fun day. Look at God. I mean, look, Kevin Harlan had maybe the greatest day a commentator has ever had because he's calling two games at once, Dude, yes. and he did it flawlessly, seamlessly, perfectly, efficiently as possible, and it was so it's much fun, man. I, I didn't sure. even know he lived in Kansas City. Yeah, he's from he's well, he lived here, do, and he used to, to call the Chiefs game yeah, yeah, all yeah, the time yeah. for CBS. But I, didn't, I didn't know that until yeah. during the game. It was like, well, yeah. he lives in Kansas City. I was like, yeah. oh, shit, we grew up. What? I mean, we grew up in the early two thousands <laughs> watching the Chiefs games. It was always Kevin Harlan. I think Ian Eagle sometimes helped him out here and there. he's great, man. Yeah, but it was so much fun, man. Like I said, it was a great day. There was. It was really hard to find something to be upset about. Well, 
there was something in particular to be concerned about. Maybe not upset about, but to be concerned about. Uh, In case you weren't aware, uh, young phenom safety for the Chiefs, number 22, Juan Thornhill, uh, unfortunately tore his ACL in this game against the Chargers. It was a non-contact play, which automatically signifies that something serious took place. Um, it was it was definitely a downer for the day. Um, the Chiefs won, got the two seed, get the rest up. But losing a player of that magnitude, the way he's played this season, he did get elected to the All-Pro team for the young guys. Yep. Uh, very excited to see that, along with like Travis Kelsey and uh, Tyron Matthew as well. Tyron Matthew actually made the list twice, yep. which was DB, awesome. As a DB and a as a safety, he absolutely balled out this crazy. year. But Juan Thornhill had a lot to do with why the Chiefs were who they were this season. He, we saw this guy grow up so quickly in front of our eyes this season. It's it, it's very rare that you see a young player with as much expectations we had on Juan Thornton because we had a lot. You know, he had some he had some shoes to fill. Man, Eric mm. Berry was gone. Uh, the safety position was probably the weakest part of this defense last season, and he came in here, he stepped up, and he played some fucking ball, man. Mm. This guy was an absolute stud this season, and so losing that is going to suck. There's no way around it. That losing losing Juan Thornhill is going to suck. So with that said, I want this to be interpreted as, as, as clearly as possible because I've seen a ton of people on Twitter and social media in general, even on sports uh, talk shows around the city. There, I think there's more concern than there needs to be about Juan Thornhill being out, if that makes sense. Yep. Because although he does play his part, and I'm going to give him every bit of credit that he deserves because the kid was a stud. I don't think losing Juan Thornhill is going to change the trajectory of the Chiefs' Super Bowl chances. And I say that confidently. Reason being, the safety position, although it is valuable, you can win without great safeties. You can win with secondary safeties. It can happen. And the reason I feel that way even more confidently with this team is because of the fact that I think if it would have been Tyron Matthew that went down, mm. we're talking about it differently because of the fact that leadership, defense, for me, this is the way I, I see uh, the NFL from the, the 25 plus years I've been watching football. <clears throat> I feel like leadership can oftentimes be a little overrated on the offensive side, but it is always always important on the defensive side because you're playing a reactionary style yeah, of production is more important offensively yes and sure. i think that a lot of times we put too much onus on the quarterback has to be the leader that's mm-hmm. not always true but a lot of almost every single time you want to have a successful team and a successful defense you have to have leaders you have to have leaders that was one of the biggest problems with the defense last season the chiefs defense last season wasn't just the fact they didn't have enough talent because they had some talent they didn't have enough leadership. That was the problem. Eric Berry Vocal was the leader. Leadership. Yes, Eric Berry was the leader, quote-unquote, of that defense, mm-hmm. and he was quitting on his team. He wasn't on the field most well, of the Justin season. Houston was similar. He was more of a quiet guy. Yeah, you that's the – Tyron Matthew is a guy out there that's vocal. Yep. Frank Clark is vocal. Yep. These Chris guys are – yeah, you know, yep. Chris Jones is out there doing his thing. This defense is different. So losing a Tyron Matthew would have been devastating for oh, this, yeah, team, yeah. this defense. So although losing Juan Thornhill on the production side of things does suck – this defense, in my opinion, is going to stay strong because of the fact that they still have all their core leaders, mm. the guys that are producing but also are keeping their defense in the right mentality that are extension of the coach on the field. That is an actual thing. It's not a cliche on the defensive side. Steve Spagnuolo absolutely uses these pieces to the best of his abilities, but if those guys aren't going out there and accessing their leadership, 
like they do every single week, at least for the last half of the season, this defense would absolutely be fucked right now. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm going to get your guys' thoughts on this. I don't think it's even though it was a significant loss, I don't think it's as significant as we may have initially had thought or believed to be. Trevor, yeah, um, I definitely think our defense is going to be fine, and it's simple for me. Uh, it's the fact that the production we'd be getting from our defensive front, um, with our our defensive ends, our linebacker core has been playing really, really well, uh, especially with the implement the implementing of Suggs coming into the group. He's been out there looking like a spry chicken, man. He's been out there making yep. plays, getting a sack. You know, that, that production up front initially with the stunts and the twists and, this, and, the, and the pressure we've been getting quickly, that's that makes all the difference in the world for our secondary. And, and, and allowing Tyron Matthew to either blitz or run free or spy the quarterback, keep his eye, you know, play the quarterback position from the defensive side, as cliche as that is, that's what he's doing out there. Oh, you're you right. Know, he's out there watching the quarterback. So when he's able, when Tyron's able to run free, and, 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 and spy the quarterback and read the quarterback's eyes, that's when he's at his best. And when our defensive when our defensive front is creating pressure and, and pressuring the quarterback to make quick decisions and not even get through all his reads, that's when plays happen. That's when that's why I thought I'm not taking anything away, away from Juan Thornhill, but that was the reason he was able to make the plays he's made this year because of the production that we had up front. And, and honestly, our corners have been playing really well too. So I, I believe in our corners. And, and, and truly, it all comes back to my faith in Spagnolo. Just what he's proven to us. We all have to have faith in what he's done this year with with losing bodies up front, you know. And Veach too. Veach bringing in the guys that we need to to keep the ball rolling, keep the defense alive. Uh, and and we we're, our, this defense is peaking at the absolute perfect time. Yeah, it does suck to lose one of the defensive rookies of the year in my mind, and Juan Thornhill. Um, but I, I I mean I do think we could have you know. I know Armani Watts is damn near just a special teamer, but I think Armani Watts could come in and, and, and fill that void, you know, in specific times. Um, and I do think, you know, Kendall Fuller will be in the mix, you know, throwing. I think I think Spags is going to put him in the mix of, you know, covering the middle and maybe covering the tight end here and there in, in the slot. Um, I just I believe in the parts we have, man, and I believe this in this defensive coaching staff is is way too smart uh, as far as putting the, the packages together and who we're facing. Um, I don't think like I'm I'm with you 100. I don't think we're going to miss a beat. I think we're going to be just fine. Yeah, I mean, th- there's not a lot to add to, to what you guys both said. I mean, uh, I believe the same thing. Uh, that we are losing a, a great player out in the field. I, I think that the Chiefs have enough players, have enough roster to to cover that void. Mm. Uh, I've seen Kendall Fuller play that position uh, throughout the season. Yep. Yeah, he hasn't done a bad job at it. I mean, all you need is a is a guy that can actually do a decent job at it to where. You can free up Tyron Matthew and do do something else. Well, you can even have Sorensen play that spot yeah, too. Yeah, play, He's played we've solid. Seen, we've seen right. Sorensen fall back. He's had two game game winning plays this year against Philip Rivers. Yeah, we've seen we seen Tyron Matthew yell at Sorensen to get back right. pretty much, and, and he's he's so I, yeah. I mean, there's options to cover that spot. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was great having to, uh, uh, Thornhill, but 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 like you guys said, I don't, I don't think it's going to cost an issue in this defense. Yeah. I, I think they're just going to keep on driving, keep that momentum. The guys up front are doing a, a fantastic job. Uh, mm-hmm. Brandon Daly, he's doing a phenomenal job oh, with yeah. those guys. Uh, and, and then Spagnuolo, I, I love his little stance in every little play. He's ready. He's like, he's like on the field with him in spirit. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. he he he's calls the plays, but then he like you know like bends down to right. like like if he's in the game. And so I just think that momentum, not losing Tyron Matthew, like like Lance said, is it, been devastating. Yeah. It would have been devastating for this for this Chiefs defense because he is the guy. Right. He, he is the leader of that defense. And if he would have fell out, we would be talking something different. I think the biggest thing for me is that I'm I'm most bummed about 
is for, for, for Juan Thornhill is the fact that he busted his ass all year. He had great production this year as a rookie yes. coming in and filling big shoes, like Lance said, with Eric Berry coming out. I know, and us expecting major production and an upgrade for that that position that we were terrible at last year. Um, he played great. He deserves to be here. That's what sucks the most for me. I'm, yeah. I'm just bummed for him to do all that work, and the week before we head into this dance, he's not going to be on the field. Yeah, That's the, what sucks the most for me. Though this injury does suck, I, I really hope he, like, mentally it doesn't, like, break him. Because I know ACL, ACL injury. You don't seem like that type, man. He's, I, he seems... I, I know, man. There, there's players that are super tough, super strong, but mm. it's just kind of like that soccer world. Well, he's not the best guy around him, Tyron Matthew, who's, no, who's been there and done that. No, I get it, it but, but it's like just uh, – I'm just going off of that soccer. Like, oh, yeah. You, you get the best players that tear their ACLs, and you kind of know that their style of play well, – Especially safety, who's like the, the sweeper. Yeah. The so, sweep, yeah, it's, yeah. Their game completely changes, and they're never the same. So I really hope this doesn't affect him in any shape. <laughs> shape or form but sure. i just hope he comes back even better than he was well another another talking point that we have to bring up just because the fact it's made its rounds and guys we are we apologize we're not you know talking about all the fun stuff right now but we have to get it out of the way sure. not just about the Juan thornell injury there's also been for some reason uh swirling 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 rumors <laughs> uh, about the, the the possibilities of the chiefs trading chris jones in the offseason um now there's a ton of scenarios that could go down. The Chiefs could trade him. They could tag him and trade him. They could sign and trade him. They could sign him. They could tag him. There's a lot of different. There's a lot of different things that the Chiefs could do with this with with this superstar talent, Chris Jones. I reached out to somebody I trust very very much. Uh, Who is it? Very much well connected uh, with the Chiefs because I needed to get some actual insight of what we're looking at right now. What is the atmosphere? What is the climate of the Chris Jones situation with the Chiefs? What I got from this person was basically because the, the 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 big chunk of the rumor was that the Chiefs are looking to trade him and that they're getting Khalil Mack style trade offers. And if you remember about that Khalil Mack trade, mm-hmm. the Raiders got two first round picks out of that, and I think an additional fifth, if I'm not mistaken. So that would be a humongous hole in return for Chris Jones. You can debate whether you like him better than Khalil Mack or not; it doesn't matter. The point is these both these both these guys are elite at what they do. And like uh, our guy Ron the Show Hughley said last week on our show in episode 44, he believes that Chris Jones is the best at what he does right now, and that includes Aaron Donald. And it's hard to disagree right now because Chris Jones is having a better had a better season Chris than Aaron Jones Donald. Took a step forward, and Donald took a step back. Exactly. Yeah, and so sure. we could t- we could debate on that all day long. And the point is, is that I needed to get some actual information on this. And what I got was this person and this in particular person said that they. They have heard that it would be less than the Khalil Mack trade. That automatically was a red flag for me because mm-hmm. if I'm not going to get something that's a haul, I'm not trading a 25 no. year old superstar we'll defensive line. It's not happening. Yeah. This, Chris Jones is peaking at the right time. I brought those up to this person. This person rebuttaled. The rebuttal was they believe that Chris Jones is playing at such a high level because of his eyes are on the green. He's trying to get that those dollars. And I get that because that is a motivating factor for almost every single player out there. That's even got to be a motivating factor for Patrick Mahomes to play as great as he does because he knows he's going to get cha-chained in any second now. Yeah. So Chris Jones is obviously trying to get paid. That's why he sat out a little bit in, in the offseason. That's why he didn't show up to OTAs but, yeah. at first. But would you blame him, though, with the Frank no. Clark deal? That's what I right. I was defending Chris Jones in this because I want to see the Chiefs keep Chris Jones. Yes. I want to see the Chiefs pay him. They yes. can pay him. That's a, Even with paying Patrick Mahomes, they can pay him. Yep. 
They got a little bit more of a team friendly deal with Tyreek Hill. A lot of money's coming off the books next likely, season. More than likely move on from Sammy. Yeah, Kendall Fuller will be off the books. Dan Sorensen will be off the books. Uh, 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 Claiborne, guys of that nature. Yeah. You want to pay those guys. Oh, we can the salary cap can be manipulated. There's so funny much. money. It's yeah. funny money. Right. And so I was bringing Monopoly. these. I was bringing these factors into the equation. This person was still on the side that they, although they'd feel less confident now that the Chiefs are going to trade him than they did before the season, they still feel like there is a significant possibility that that is a possibility. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to address it now. If I'm a betting man, I don't think the Chiefs are trading Chris Jones. I think that regardless of the Chiefs win the Super Bowl or not, they have to see just how important this player is to their success because of the point that Shaggy Shane makes a lot. Mm -hmm. He's made it on this show. He's made it on his show. He's made it on a lot of different platforms where he talks about how Chris Jones is out in the playoff games against the Titans, against the, um, I'm sorry, the, the yeah, Patriots, the against Patriots. the Patriots. Yep. And what happened in both those games? Right. The Chiefs him. lost. We saw how important he is, yeah. We sure. saw how valuable he is. Now, I'm not sitting here saying Chris Jones is the reason why the Chiefs lost in the AFC Championship last year or the Chiefs are the reason why they give up 18 po- an 18-point lead to the fucking Mariota-led Titans. Mm. My point, though, is, is that you do see the significance of him being on and off the field. Furthermore, despite those little grueling, those little injuries that were non-long, lengthy injuries for him in his career, this guy up to this season has never missed a regular season game in his career. So the durability factor favors mm-hmm. Chris Chris Jones. So the only hang-up that we have here, really, if we're being honest, is the motivation factor. What is going to motivate Chris Jones once he gets paid? Because regardless of whether he's going to be the Chiefs or not, he's getting paid by somebody. Somebody is going to pay Chris Jones a lot of money, and we're talking a lot of money. So my point in all of this is is that I have to believe that the Chiefs are going to see the value. They're going to match the dollars. I don't know if it's what they want to do wholeheartedly, but it's something that they have to do that's necessary. Sometimes you have to make the necessary move even if it isn't what you want to do. I'm sure they want to go the cheaper route. Like this source of mine told me, the Chiefs are looking in 2020 to go more on the cheaper route, and they like Colin Saunders a lot. They like Naughty. They like some of these younger guys that they have right now they feel like can play a pivotal role in prolonging this defense with or without Chris Jones, Mm -hmm. and Frank Clark is a long-term answer. They have a lot of other guys on this defense that they feel like can be here for years to come with Anthony Hitchens and Tyron Matthew. I get all that. But who is the best defensive player on this team right now? It is Chris Jones, and it's not close. It's not close. Chris Jones is the best defensive player on this team. It is not close. It's close. I would say that he, (laughs) talent-wise, consistency. Well, Tyron Matthews has only been here for a number of games. And Tyron Matthews not, does not have the talent of Chris Jones. Chris mm-hmm. Jones is one of the most talented defenders. I think Tyron Matthews is the reason the defense is as good as it is this year. But as I talked about in the last segment, though, it's because of leadership at the For same sure. time. That's so that's why I think point. that's uh, – Tyron Matthews has the leadership qualities that Chris Jones doesn't quite have. Yeah. Chris Jones is the hype guy, the guy that is going to constantly give quarterbacks a, a shit ton of pressure. Low lines, yeah. He's, you can't replace Chris Jones. Him, you can't sure. replace Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if this Chiefs defense, if this Chiefs team is trying to build a dynasty for the next three or five seasons, I have a hard time believing that draft picks are going to get you to that quicker or more consistently than having Chris Jones on your team, who's making a few bucks. What's your thoughts, Trevor? I think we win the Super Bowl. I think he's gone. I think if we know we can, he 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 gets out, he gets his ring. I think we'll figure out a way to let him go get his money, and we'll get the picks for whatever we need. If we trade him, so that's I mean, I don't me personally. If it's my, if I want, I want to see us try to find a way to keep him in uh, in this core group with with Frank Clark. 
And I think he's better than Frank Clark. And I do. We've all discussed this, and I do. We all, I think, can, can agree. If, Ty, if this Tyreek Hill drama never have happened, would have never have happened. We never would have signed Frank Clark, and we would have paid Chris Jones handsomely. I think that would have happened because um, I know there was like some weird speculation going on before Spags initially got here and got everything going that we didn't know if he was going to fit into what Spags wanted to do, which I always believed was nonsense because there's he's a schemeless type of guy. He goes out there and just, just wrecks shit. That's what Chris Jones does. Quarterbacks do not want to see that guy on the other side of the line ever. Um, and Tom Brady has seen that. Philip Rivers has seen that just not very long ago. Um, so it's it's hard, man, because he's a fan favorite. Everyone loves the guy. He 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 loves being here. He loves being a chief. He loves the fans here. Um, but he's gonna he's gonna demand a lot of money, and that's really gonna come down to how. And I think I really do think that's why I started what I said off with the Super Bowl. I feel like if we he helps us get there and get to the Super Bowl, I feel like we will then move on because we got that success and we feel like we can build on whatever we get for him. Uh, we, I think we would tag him and then trade him uh, after we won the Super Bowl if that happens. If not, I think we would keep him around more than likely, try to run it back, try to do what we can. There's just so many different scenarios that can happen. Like you like you went into use great detail with that. Um, I. I don't know, man. Like, I just don't really know what to expect. I don't really know. I feel like this franchise is really starting to turn it, change its 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 mood because we were always a very conservative franchise. And I, but I think that the addition of, of of Coach Reed and Veach, and and with the ownership, you know, with Clark Hunt really kind of becoming more outspoken and getting a little fire under his ass, I love it. I, I, I maybe we are going to become that franchise that that kind of just you know lets our nuts hang a little bit. Uh, and, and, you know, sign the guys that we want to keep here, sign the guys that the fans love, sign the guy that put the guys that put asses in the seats that people will come watch. Because if we let Chris Jones go and we depend on Colin Saunders and he becomes a bust, we look like a sh- some dumbasses, you know. So I do I do want to, us to, to do everything in our power to balance out the, the money here. And I do believe we can make it happen. But to keep Chris Jones here is very important and very vital for this defense. And I want us to do my personal opinion. I want us to do everything we can to keep him here, regardless if we win the Super Bowl or not. Let's run it back and win another one. That's how I want to do it. So my thoughts, uh, I obviously want to keep uh, Chris Jones here. Uh, I do not want to see him get traded. Uh, right. To me, this is kind of like a pointless conversation. Like there's no reason for the Chiefs to even try and shop him around, like even listen to offers. I, I don't All think they're going to, I, I, I mean, like Lance said, his, his sources are telling me he's that we're not going to get a, a Khalil Mack kind of kind of mm. trade on that. And, and time, to will, this, time will tell, and though. To this, but but to this to this day, I, I think Chris Jones is a better player than Khalil Mack. Well, things I'm just saying things change bi-weekly, man. If we go to the Super Bowl, and he's one of the biggest reasons we win. He has like two or three sacks in that Super Bowl game. He's gonna there's gonna be so many offers for that guy. I'm just saying that's how uh, it works. No, I, I get yeah. it, but at the same time, why would the Chiefs want to let him go? That the, after winning the I Super just, Bowl, everyone has a price. Like, like Lance said, yeah. within the next three five years, we want to build the dynasty. We want to make this. I, a I'm dynasty. with you on that, dude. Absolutely. So why? Why? That's what that, I want. Why? Why would you let go of one of your biggest I'll, men? I'll play. In, I'll play devil's advocate right. to that. I, I'm and let me preface this by saying I am not on this side. Mm-hmm. I can I can see the thought process of okay, we just won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Which gives us a little bit of cushion, and, and it'd be less of a blow to the fan base just if we right. let him walk and give them this confidence that hey, we can replace him. Right. That's why but I like started I my, talk- my argument off with if we win the Super Bowl, then that would make yeah. it easier. Now to sure. counter, now to counter my devil's advocate segment, mm-hmm. um, I talked to the source that I had in this regard because he said something very similar to this. I said, well. 
That also might be true, but you have to look at some of the factors of the drafting that the Chiefs have done of recent at this at those positions. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not confident. Not about, I like Colin, I like Colin Saunders. Yeah. I like Naughty. Those aren't my building blocks. No. Furthermore, who did the Chiefs trade up for and made their first pick in the Brett Veach Andy Reid era? Braylon Speaks. Right. That scares the shit out of like, me. Like, right. like I sent you guys that text when when uh, when I sent you guys like why why are why is there even talks about trading Chris Jones? It's like I don't give a fuck what we get in return. I don't mm-hmm. trust Brett Beach in those with those draft picks. That, that was my biggest concern about this. I do not trust Brett Beach of the guys who he's gonna get in return of those. Right. I mean, to me, it's similar to Frank Clark leaving Seattle because Frank Clark was the Chris Jones kind of in a way of yes, Seattle. His production yeah. was insane, man. His numbers were crazy, you know. But they. You know, the fan base probably wasn't very happy in the moment they let him walk. Well, and, and well, the Seahawks were also very big on Jadavian Clowney. Oh, for they sure. They wanted Jadavian sure. Clowney. I think he's an equal, equal player. Yeah. On, that, on yeah. that aspect, yeah. right. I, right. I think he's a better player than Frank. It's close. It's debatable. The, 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 point in all this, the, same tier. the point in all this is, and Trevor nailed it on the head, and this is what I was saying too about the three- to five-year window that we have here because that's kind of – when you talk future mm. – I can't be one of those. Yeah, I can't be one of those fans that talk about in a decade. I, I, I you can't do that because the league changes so much and the teams change so much year to year, let alone in a decade. Right. So it's so it's impossible to talk about where the Chiefs will be in a decade. Well, but dynasty, we can talk about yeah. building for the next three to five years. That's yes. fair to do. So that's future references mm-hmm. here. And if we're looking at the next three to five years, why in the hell would I sign on to the the risk of vi- envisioning? This defense for the next three to five years without Chris Jones and these picks and the possibilities of these guys that can be studs or complete busts or just Chris Jones for the next three to five years. I don't want to sound so closed-minded in all this and say that the Chiefs can't hit with those draft picks. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying with the accumulation of what the Chiefs have done early in the draft at that at those positions alongside of the fact that, that – we may have not even seen the peak of Chris Jones right. to sit here. 25 years old. And I, and I get the whole motivation part of this because, like I said, that's the one snag in all this. Mm. Is It's fair to, to, to question, well, will he stay just as hungry once he does get paid? That's a very good Will he make more sure. business decisions? And the fact that, yes, Chris Jones has freelanced a lot in his career. Mm. He's left his gaps open a lot of times, which is one of the bigger reasons why the Chiefs have had problems in the run yeah, defense. The run, yep. But once he started to shape that again and reshape himself – and to start staying in his gaps, yeah. all of a sudden the Chiefs' defense in the run game doesn't look so bad and after all. Thomas Spagnola too. Man. That is more praise to his value, though. Yeah. That if he keeps his mindset in place, and this is another quote this source of mine told me, is that if Frank Clark and Honey Badger can keep him in the right place and my, right mind frame, I don't see the Chiefs trading him. This is an actual quote from this person. Yeah. So I'm going to believe, again, to wrap everything back around, mm. I don't believe win or lose in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs are going to let Chris Jones walk. I can see it making sense, like you're saying, Trevor, that yeah. they would. Like, oh, if they win, he's gone, he'll get paid somewhere else. I can see that happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I am, I'm going to give the Chiefs the benefit of the doubt in this one that they're going to make the right decision and they're going to keep the players that got them toward that. Because if Chris Jones was 29, 30, 31 years old, I don't want them to extend him. It was the same thing with D Ford. Although D Ford wasn't old, his body was breaking down. He was getting into his late twenties, potentially early thirties in this next year or so. Mm-hmm. That's not the kind of guy I want to have here for three to five years. Same with Justin Houston. He was already in his thirties. That's why I didn't want to keep Justin Houston. Not that he didn't have anything left in the tank. You just don't want to extend guys like that. Chris Jones just turned twenty-five this summer. You can get three to five years out of that guy before he's even thirty. 
That's my point. Yep. Use get his prime years. Yep. I'm telling you, and and I'm going back to last week's episode. And when I asked you guys, do you think Clark Hunt will step in into this no. contract negotiation? No, and the reason I, why I, I, I believe ahead. I believe he probably would if if he sees that uh, Chris Jones will be that player that that the Chiefs need in in those next three to five years. Sure, I I believe that Clark Hunt would be like, hey. I put my foot down, and this guy needs to be signed. Let me down. ask you a question. Just, just, revert, and we're going to take a break after this. Why do you? Why does the idea of Clark Hunt stepping in come into your mind? Because he did the same for uh, Eric, Berry. Eric Berry when he was a fan. Fa- he was a fan favorite, right? That's what I'm saying with Chris Jones. He's a fan but favorite. But the glaring difference, it, it's the whole can't. But that, I, I don't think that that has everything to do with it. Just, He's on the field. That, man. That you have to understand the kind of look that is for the Chiefs. To extend, because Eric Berry was also very good at football, and he was only 27 years old when they gave him the extension. But the whole recovery and him coming back and then winning comeback player of the year, it made so much sense for the Chiefs to do that just for the looks of it. Chris Jones, although he is a fan favorite, he is – it, it's it, a different it, it, situation. It, it, so Clark Hunt's not going to jump into I, I, every I, I, football situation. Well, and we also, don't, we also really, weren't paying a quarterback $200 million at that time. Clark Hunt really came in and, and did that. That's kind of like some shitty shit. You know, that's kind of shitty – you're paying him yeah. because you feel petty. I, I, I will say this. I will say this to your point. To your point. To your point. I don't disagree with you. Yeah. I don't necessarily like when owners step in. Yeah. I because I let's be real here. It's a business, and, and we might disagree on how right. we feel about this. He also stepped in with the Marcus Peters trade. That yeah. was Clark Hunt. That was bullshit. And I don't like that either. Right. So trust me when I say I'm consistent with this. I don't like that he stepped in on the Eric Berry trade because it also could have got John Dorsey tra- uh, fired initially. Now John Dorsey has his own problems, right. but. Clark Hunt doing what he did in both of these situations did not help the Chiefs because that Eric Berry right. signing was terrible yeah. looking back and trading Marcus Peters. Although I love Juan Thornhill, I'd rather have Marcus Peters. Yeah. So that in itself, those two situations that Clark Hunt did step into did not help the Chiefs. So I agree with you, actually. My point, though, is there is a difference between these two situations when it comes to Eric Berry's and it comes to Chris Jones. We just need to contextualize. Pretty soon all the, all the decision making is going to be going through Mahomes here soon. So he's going to be the, the top of the food chain. <laughs> Well, so it's going to go Patrick, Andy. Let's ask Patrick first. He's going to be like LeBron James. <laughs> so we're going we're to take a quick break, guys. We're going to leave it right there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the running back position. There's something shady going on about McCoy. We'll get back to all that after this. Visit Local Foundry in downtown Lee Summit, Eastern Jackson County's biggest selection of local made and inspired goods. They carry apparel, jewelry, prints, decor, and more. The store is also filled with various vintage finds. Come and see us on Market Street. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twiddle, here inside the KC Beard Co. Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. All right, so we left it off, guys, talking about the Juan Hill uh, injury, how much it's going to affect the Chiefs. And then we talked about the Chris Jones potential trade, what exactly the rumors about that. And we left it there, guys. But we're going we're gonna to get on the offensive side now of things because – I think we all would agree that the, the Chiefs don't have any single one glaring problem on this team, right? I, I think that this is one of the most complete teams in the NFL. I personally believe this is the most complete team in the AFC, even with the Raiders, the Ravens included. I, agree. Yep. I think they're the most complete team on the AFC side. Even with the issues, and they are issues that the Chiefs have had on in, in the running back situation, the running back position. They have not had... Anything solidified in the running back position since week 11 of last season when they lost Kareem Hunt. And that's understandable because when you have an all-pro back and you lose him, it's not that simple. We hear a lot of times, at least myself, I hear a lot of times on Twitter 
and in social media that running backs aren't important in today's NFL. And I've always used the example, and, and it's really that – those are the quotes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not that important. You can always find another guy. It shows the draft too. But, it's, it, it, yeah. here's, but I always go to this point. Who would you rather have, Barry Sanders or Damian Williams? Who would you rather have, Adrian Peterson or, you know, uh, Kenyon Drake? Uh, Drake. <laughs> Maybe yeah, the singer, no but not. No but no, I mean, that, my point is why I'm saying that. And you say, well, it's extremes. Well, I have to make that point because at the end of the day, you're picking Adrian Peterson and Barry Sanders. Why? Because they're better running backs. They play a port- an important role. Alvin Kamara on this offense as opposed to Damian Williams. How much better the Chief- is the Chiefs offense? Significantly yeah, better. That's, that's why you can't speak in generalizations. That's what I'm saying. So when yeah. you when when people make these blanket statements that running yeah. back positions don't matter, Super it's vague. just not true. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my point in bringing this up is because the fact that this offense, this Chiefs offense, has not been close to the same since they lost Kareem Hunt. They were still putting up numbers at the end of the season and even all the way into the AFC Championship was scoring 31 points in the second half. Mm-hmm. But this season we have seen the, the the drop off. Even though the Chiefs, I think, finished what third or fourth in, in overall scoring this season, the defense had a lot to do with that. Um, the offense has not been the same. Patrick Mahomes' numbers dwindled a little bit. He did get hurt. Tyreek Hill was down. Um, the offensive line has been banged up. There's a lot of different reasons, but let's be honest here. The running back position has been a big reason why the Chiefs' offense has not been that great. Right. Or it hasn't been as great as it was the year before. When the Chiefs went and got LaShawn McCoy, I was of the belief that I didn't think he was going to be a a franchise changer. I knew who he was at 31 years old. But I did think he was going to be a difference maker. And and for for, uh, the first few weeks of him being in Kansas City, he was making a difference. He was averaging over five yards a carry. He was contributing in the pass game. I was like, oh, my God, this was a damn good acquisition. This was a damn good addition to this offense. This could be a difference maker. This could be a guy that could really make a difference. And now we're looking at it. The last three weeks, Shady McCoy has had six touches. Six touches. And that's including the fact he hasn't gotten a touch since the Bears game. I'm seeing before before the Bears game. I apologize. Mm -hmm. That's my point, is that there is something weird going on with the whole Shady McCoy situation. I can't seem to figure it out because he's not hurt. Mm-hmm. He's been a healthy scratch multiple times this season. He has a great relationship with Andy Reid, so it's not like there's anything volatile going on between the two. So what is it? The theory has been, well, they're resting him for the playoffs. I disagree with that because of the very fact that in a running back position, it's all about rhythm. It's all about confidence and consistency. You're not going to sit a guy back-to-back weeks to end the season because you're resting him for the playoffs, especially when he's not hurt. At least that we don't know of. And you get a buy. And you get a buy. So I have to think, if I'm going to rack my brain right now, I have to think that the Chiefs just simply believe that Damian Williams is going to be the better running back. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the case because of the fact that Damian Williams, if we've seen anything over these last couple of weeks, has absolutely peaked. Just like he did, ironically enough, this time last season, yeah. we started to see him. Man, who this Damian Williams dude was one damn great acquisition. That we, yeah, <laughs> who is this guy, man? Like we we knew he was from the Dolphins, but he never did anything in Miami. They never utilized him the way the Chiefs were starting to utilize him. Mm. And then he became this stud. Now, as it currently stands, Damian Williams has the most touchdowns in Chiefs history in the playoffs. Yep, that's insane. And he's played two games. That's insane. Two games. I think it's more sad than insane. <laughs> it's still insane. <laughs> And I looked at the numbers since week 12 of 2018. The Chiefs are 9 and 5, playoffs included, when Damian Williams has 15 or more touches, mm-hmm. and are 7 and 5 when he scores at least one touchdown. Now, you look at that and go, well, yeah, they're above 500, I guess, but, 
but that's the significance and how important the, the, the running back position is. That when he's contributing, the Chiefs have an above 500 record. I'm trying to envision this team right now without Damian Williams. And that's saying something because I don't believe he's a franchise running back. But I do believe that the Chiefs believe that he is the guy for the job for the foreseeable future, at least through these playoffs. I think they're going to give him every opportunity in the world to prove them wrong when it comes to production. When it comes to who's going to be the bell cow for this team. Because they're going to need that. They're going to absolutely need the best out of Damian Williams for the foreseeable future. Because although Patrick Mahomes, and I'm going to get to this in a second because I have I have some takes I want to fire off to you guys about Patrick Mahomes in these playoffs. But I ran a poll, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this as well. I had two polls that I posted on our Twitter account, at the Spoken Pod. Definitely give us a follow on there, guys. Who is going to have more touchdowns in the playoffs? And I think this is a fair question. Who's going to have more touches in the playoffs? LaShawn McCoy? More touches? More touches. touches. LaShawn McCoy or Darwin Thompson? Now, before everybody freaks out, well, Darwin Thompson, he's not going to probably see a lot of the field. It's the playoffs. It's super important. How much of the field is LaShawn McCoy going to see? In your opinion. Go ahead, Trevor. I definitely think he's going to have way more touches than Darwin Thompson. Okay, fair enough. Give us us your reasons why, because I I think it's a legitimate question. And I do think they are holding him out for the playoffs. But not for what for what everyone automatically assumes that he's going to get all these touches. First of all, the Chiefs don't run the ball enough for anyone to have a lot of touches. Uh, maybe touches through the air. We run the ball maybe 15, 20 times a game at the max, usually. We hardly ever ball, run the ball more than 20, 25 times. Hardly ever. Uh, Damian Williams has been the guy this entire year. He's just been banged up all year. He's the best running back on this team and always has been. When he's healthy, he's very productive on the ground and in the passing game. He showed that in big-time games in the playoffs. Um, so he's, we, he definitely has all the confidence in this offensive scheme, and Andy Reid definitely has confidence in him, and I do expect big games in this playoffs from him. Um, he's a big play waiting to happen, man. He's a, he's a, he's a, has very quick he's quick feet and he's very straight-line speed kind of guy. Whenever he breaks free, he's hard to catch, um, unless you're Tyreek Hill. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I do think I – I don't think Tarwin Thompson is going to get much play. Um, I think he's going to be a sneaky gadget play kind of guy, like maybe like a, a wildcat type of play if he goes in there and he takes a direct snap because he's so very he's so quick and he can bounce outside better. He's better at bouncing outside than the other quarterback, other running backs on this team. Uh, but I just don't – I don't think he's – because we saw how Andy Reid reacted when they got him in the field just in the Raiders game. We closed out the Raiders game. We were up by 20-plus points. Uh, he wasn't expecting him to be on the field at that time. So I don't expect him to be on the field against, say, the Patriots coming to town. I don't expect him to be on the field against Patriots much at all. Um, I do think I do think Shady's going to be the insurance for Damian Williams. I think he's going to be the guy if, say, something happens to Damian Williams, because we all know that can still happen. He's been banged up all year. Say he has another rib issue, re-aggravates something. Um, I think they're going to automatically go to Shady. I don't think Shady's going to get a lot of touches yet. I think Damian Williams is going to get the majority, if not all, the touches in the running backs uh, as, as far as the running backs go, um, because he's like I said, he's the best, and he he will he gives us the best chance of getting production out of that position. Um, I do think Shady's is being held out. I don't think he's in the doghouse. I know he's we've lost some games almost damn near on the back of him, um, but I think I think he's simply the insurance for Damian Williams. I mean. See, I, I think uh, Shady McCoy is going to get uh, some touches. I, I, was, yeah. I wouldn't say he's going to get Our running backs don't get a lot of touches regardless. He, he's definitely going to get more touches than Darwin Thompson. Right. Uh, and, and like he, uh, Trevor was saying about the Raiders game, Andy was like, why is he playing? Right, you right. Know, he, he was kind of questioning his staff as to why Darwin Thompson was playing, right. even though he had a big lead. So obviously uh, we know what Andy thinks about Darwin Thompson. He's not very It's more of a confident. project. Yeah, he's not not super confident in him on big games and – 
And so I don't think we'll he's see. Flashy, I, though. He's flashy on the field. I, I'll give him I just, that. I, mean, he looks I, I good don't think there. we'll see. I don't think we'll see Darwin Thompson like get any more than two touches at the most. Yeah, yeah. barring the, barring the, injury. Yeah, barring in the entire playoffs. Right. Uh, it's it's just as to what what Randy uh, Randy uh, Andy Reid wants. Um, does he want Shady McCord? Does he want Damian Williams? I, I think at the end of the day, Damian Williams is the better running back. Yeah, he's younger. But at the same time, you're looking at injuries and, and whatnot, so you kind of you kind of fall into like a little bit of shade. And pass control. protection comes into play yeah. here, big time here too. You yeah. need the experienced guys out there for pass protection. But yeah, and then again, Shady McCoy has had troubles holding that ball. He's he's caused some some fumbles to where we you said Damian Williams. No, uh, Shady. Oh, Shady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and I think that's the big biggest reason as to why we lost to the Packers because of a fumble he oh, he sure. had in the Colts. So, too, I think. Was, yeah. so, I mean, so I just I think Damian Williams is the better running back. He's going to get all the touches. Yeah, uh, and, and then Shady McCoy. And well, the the people obviously agree with what we're saying here because yeah. on the on the poll, sixty two percent of people believe that Lashawn's going to get more touches than Darwin. The reason I bring up the comparison between Darwin and Lashawn mm-hmm. isn't the the comparison between the players. Just the, the the usage factor, because like I said, I, I have a hard time believing that. I'm not saying that the Chiefs aren't holding him back and resting him somewhat. I look at it from a consistency standpoint of you holding a guy back for multiple weeks when he's not hurt. His rhythm's going to be off, and he's a guy that's already had struggles this season with fumble issues, miscues, things of that nature. I have a hard time believing he's going to be sharp. I have a hard time going into the he's playoffs. Not be sharp, dude. I, I have a I have a hard time with that. When you missed a month of football, yeah, but he's an aged veteran whose whose muscle memory is just there. I'm not saying that he won't be athletic. Well, he wasn't there. playing much in Buffalo. Also, he got here and he was he looked spry. He was making jump well. He shots. was motivated. You but know, he was absolutely motivated. Be motivated in the playoffs. It's a long season. I I, I, I think I that when no, he knows that he's not sides. the guy, because I think I think Shady came here with the idea that hey, this might be my job. Yeah. I all, might be the guy. It all comes back to my point. I don't think he's in. I don't think he's going to get more than five six touches in a game. In the playoffs, I think it's right. going to be mostly. I think Damian's going to. So come. it's crazy to think that maybe Darwin could get five touches in a game. Yeah, I think it's it crazy. I think it is, dude, because Darwin. Well, fair enough. He's fair like, enough. Darwin's only got good run when it's like games. Trust me, you guys know I don't want Darwin getting no, touches. No, you I, guys know. This. I think we all. Yeah, we all don't. Want, we all. That means somebody got hurt. No, I mean we're right. in at that position. I think, and I, I seriously just think it's a security thing. Keeping a, a healthy depth chart at the running back position and having yeah. an argu- arguable Hall of Fame running back to. Be that better in presence. To, to that point, you I don't know if you guys knew this, but LaShawn McCoy led this decade in rushing yards. Yeah. I mean, that's not that, saying much. We haven't had very many great running backs my, this my decade. My point, what right. we have, is just that Adrian Peterson's been hurt. True. DeMarco Murray had like two good seasons. You know, like, you know, yeah, let's be honest. Le'Veon Bell, he was more of a pass-catching right, right. running back, too. Right. Uh, but it's just crazy to think that he led this decade. Well, yeah, we're lucky we didn't have a Christian McCaffrey for this whole decade. <laughs> right. That guy is going to break all kinds of freaking There was things. another question I posted out there. This isn't actually anything to do with the running back, so I want to get your guys' thoughts on this <laughs> real quick. Who has more receptions in the playoffs, Sammy Watkins or Demarcus Robinson? Trevor. Dude, that one, <laughs> that one's a mind fuck because, I, I mean, it's – I just uh, <laughs> shit. I don't know, man. I mean, we're, we're paying a guy like a top ten, top ten elite receiver. Sammy Watkins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it better fucking be Sammy Watkins. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say right now. If it's not Sammy Watkins, then that that's one of the worst signings I think. Uh, I've I ever thought seen this was a pretty good question. I, it is a great <laughs> question. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a great question. They're both. I mean, they're both coming in as to like not being used throughout the season. You know, it's, I mean, just, Demarcus they, Robinson's came up bigger than Sammy all year. Other we than, saw that last other, week. Other than game, other than week one, right. where has Sammy been the, the guy? He's been Casper, man. I, Shit's annoying. It's a it's a trick question because you you honestly do not know. 
like Trevor said, we pay this guy millions of yeah. dollars and he's not doing his and job. How many times have we seen? Numerous times. and uh, Straight in the middle of the game, live action. We've seen absolute grimace on Patrick Mahomes' face when he's trying to make plays to Sammy Watkins. And granted, Sammy Watkins made really good plays. He's got great hands. <laughs> yes. When he runs the, the actual right fucking route, he actually makes good plays. Yes. But that's been the issue with him. I, this has been so many miscommunications with him. And I trust McCole Hardman more than any other receiver in this, in this depth chart outside of Tyreek Hill. Uh, and that shit's annoying. Yeah. That's, a, that's a rookie. And I trust him. And he's made way. He has seven, seven, seven touchdowns, touchdowns to, to 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 Sammy Watkins six. And Sammy Watkins been here a season longer. Yeah, despite despite the fact that Sammy Watkins has twenty more receptions this season, Demarcus Robinson has one more touchdown. And it pains me to say that because, dude, I've always been a Sammy Watkins guy. I loved him in Buffalo. I loved him coming out of. You guys remember my prediction? I thought this was gonna be the year of Sammy. I've always been a defender, and I defended the contract, and I'm done with it, man. And I I mean. Me and my buddies have have given him the nickname of Sammy Dropkins. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys have called. Oh yeah, that. it's it's fair. It's, it's really more about his running. His, his, but his, even his, his, his he's, running he's also dropped those balls where he's wide. Well, open. so is Travis Kelsey. No one has more drops than well, Travis, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's just complete. But, but I mean, but we're not gonna talk shit on that guy. He, he makes it up. Yeah, know? he led the AFC in yeah, receiving okay. yards. Okay. <laughs> okay. He makes it up. But Travis, uh, uh, Sammy Watkins, he struggled with catching the ball this year. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I I agree with you guys, obviously, but the people. Are actually on the Sammy side. Yeah, they have fifty-seven percent. Because of rationally, the, it should be that. Yes, yeah, yeah. should be your number two. I, but I was honestly surprised by this. I was honestly surprised one. by fifty-seven percent of the vote went to Sammy. Yeah. Because, but here, here is the he one. He more catches, but who's gonna have bigger impact? Because we all know Robinson yes. can have a bigger impact, and he's had like a bigger impact all year. 20, uh, 20 more receptions than Demarcus Robinson right. yet yeah. had fewer touchdowns. Right, as exactly. Seen. So, but here, here is the one, one respect I'll give Sammy. Who was the only right. weapon, off, or rece- receiver wise, mm-hmm. that showed pass. up and balled out in the AFC Championship? For sure, man. That's, that, that's but, why. But that's that's the, why. Yeah. That's why. That, I hope, that, yeah. That's, but, sorry. That's the thing about Sammy Watkins. He's not consistent. Right. He only shows up in those games where you. You're like, you know what? You Guess what? No if he show, if he doesn't show up until the playoffs, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that matters to exactly. me. If he if he decides yeah. to wait until right now to have his best games of his career. I'm, all is forgiven. All is forgiven, Yeah, let's say like, the Chiefs. We'll cut his ass next play. year. Thank you. Let's say the Chiefs are hosting the Patriots or the Texans' Bills, right? right? Sammy Watkins, no matter who they face, is going to get one-on-ones all game oh, long. Yeah. So you have to believe. Though, you, I know, but you have to believe that that's going to be a part, a strong part of Andy Reid's game plan. Because yeah. he knows you both just made the point mm. that Sammy Watkins shows up for Has games like that. Yes. So is. I have a hard time believing he's not going to have a seven-catch, eighty-yard game. No, he's, yeah, that could very well happen, and I hope it does. I hope that we're jinxing. If, the shit out if, of if right Sammy's now. putting up numbers like that, no one's beating the Chiefs. No, no one is beating it's the Chiefs. And I mean, we also have to think: Does Patrick Mahomes trust him enough to throw him the ball? I think so. I, I, I definitely I think, think so I, because I, you I, see, yeah. you see Patrick give Sammy multiple opportunities every right. single game. But right. but he didn't thing, trust him. He wouldn't know. That's what I'm saying. That's the thing, though. He's trusted him, and he's dropped some of those key key playing. Uh, moments, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and so like at the same time as a quarterback, you're kind of like fuck. Like, I, I he's he's open, but then I have Tyree who can cut and you know give me five yards, even though he can possibly mm-hmm. give me ten. It's like Patrick was gonna co- constantly go to Tyree because he can't give him five yards guaranteed. Well, if you're asking and, me and who he's gonna, gonna choose going, between, you're going with, go, go, gonna go with Sammy who can possibly. No, if you're asking me who he's who's he gonna. If, if, if Patrick Mahomes has an opportunity to throw to Tyreek Hill, he's going to. I mean, we just saw last week that horrific throw he threw to Tyreek. I mean, maybe it was a bad route by Tyreek. I don't know. But he threw to Tyreek in triple coverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. he's obviously going to give Tyreek every that, opportunity. That, that, that kind of proves my point in a way because 
you you have Sammy Watkins, Robinson, and Hartman that you can throw to, but he's not trusting them enough to throw them the ball and throw them to a Tyreek. I'm just confused. I would say I would say that's true though because Hartman led the team in receiving touchdowns. Right. So Patrick Mahomes does trust his secondary options, but the point remains. Their secondary options. Yeah. You only go to those guys when Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are covered. Yeah. What were you going like to say, I, Like I said, I th- like I've said all along, I do think this offense has withheld a lot. I think Andy Reid has withheld a lot of things, and I think there's going to be some Sammy Watkins plays and definitely in the, in the in the red zone because Sammy is amazing in the red zone. We saw that last year. I think he had double, 12, almost 12. I think he had 12 touchdowns with the Rams the year before he came to the Chiefs. Yeah. And he was amazing in the red zone. Sean McVay found a way to get him involved in the short, quick slants. He's so good in that because he's big and he's a strong dude. And he's got – he has good hands. As much as he drop passes, he has good hands, and he's good in the red zone. And, and, we haven't used that all year. And we really haven't used that's the red zone. Part of multiple times that the Chiefs do not have a red zone team. Like it's just. Yeah, I think that's gonna. I, I think we're gonna make some some major changes in the red is, zone. In the why playoffs. hold it into the playoffs? Like all these all these trick plays. But I mean, think these. about it. If it works, it's it's genius. But what if it doesn't? Then you're like. Why the fuck did you wait? We still won how many games though? I was just saying, like, if but, we get, but, no, but I, I think say, I think we we believe in Mahomes enough to, to go out there and put a, a vanilla offense out there and win games. I think that's I I really think that's a, I mean that could sound crazy for me. And that could sound some like super conspiracy theory type stuff. Yeah. But I do think Andy Reid. I do think that that could be a real thing. If we come out here and we have these some crazy offensive scheme that no one saw all year, there's no film on it. How genius would that be if we we brought all these plays, especially in the red zone, because we were so vanilla in the red zone all year? There's no way we were as bad vanilla per- without being on purpose this year in the red zone. It makes no sense with all the weapons we have. Well, I'm a, that's that, this is a great conversation. I'm glad we brought it up, man, because there's a lot. Like we could keep going on this because of the fact that it's interesting that a guy that's making 23 million dollars is yeah. potentially going to be outperformed by a guy who's making around 1.4, I think, it's right now. It's going to seem a cool doing his thing, but yeah, Sammy's got to so, be playing like he's getting paid. But I'm going I'm I'm to I'm I'm say something real quick because I want to I go off on this, on this, not tangent, but I think that Kansas City, I think the Chiefs fans, I think most NFL fans are in a place where they're comfortable knowing who Patrick Mahomes is. I think we all uh, – the point is, is that, you know, we see him go from 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards to 4,000 yards and 26 right. touchdowns, and no one is sitting here going, man, maybe he wasn't as good as we thought he was. Everybody is like, okay, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback yeah. in the NFL. Uh, Everyone's saying it. those guys that are catching – I get it. I knew he was going to regress. The narrative hasn't switched, though, in its yeah. entirety where people are questioning whether he's great or not because we still see him make the plays and throws that only he can make Jump on a consistent throws. basis. Yeah. And the, the reason I'm bringing this up, and I want to finish this segment on that, the Chiefs have the most expectations – as a, as a collective effort that I think this franchise has had in over 50 years, even including the Joe Montana era in 93 and 94, where they brought him in and you thought, oh, my God, like this was what we were missing. I think even more than that. Now, obviously, oh, yeah. I was very, very young when that came about, but I've talked to a lot of the guys that were around that were adults at that time, even Shaggy Shane. There was a lot of hype for that. But I've never seen or I've never heard, I've never felt this type of anticipation as a Chiefs fan, and it's all because of one person. It's because of Patrick Mahomes. Now, going into these playoffs, I've been thinking a lot. What am I going to expect from Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback in these playoffs? I was going, I was rifling through all the different matchup scenarios and things of that nature. And although a lot of the matchup scenarios really gave me a lot of relief knowing how he's performed against a lot of these 
teams that he's played, he will be potentially playing against in the playoffs on the AFC side. It was deeper than that. For me, the my favorite thing about Patrick Mahomes is not his talent. It's not his leadership. It's his poise. Mm-hmm. Clay, our guy, our producer in Red Treb Cinema's, uh, uh, the mind behind Red Treb Cinema, Clay Windler, posted a gif. I think it was ju- it was yesterday or the day before. And it was, it's everything I love about Patrick Mahomes. He's staring right, but his head is left. And it was the deep pass to Tyreek Hill against the Chargers. And it shows his face. He's literally, his face is literally looking to the left, but his eyes are to the right. He is making the, the safety believe he's going to chuck the ball left. Mm. And just as the safety sells to the left, Patrick Mahomes turns his body and throws an absolute dime to Tyreek Hill. Now, you can sit here and go, well, yeah, but a lot of quarterbacks probably do that. Not necessarily. Like a watching, lot of it's quarterbacks. Like LeBron James pass the basketball. If you so go, yeah, like, if you go watch the other 30, right, 31 right. teams and you and you see their quarterbacks, a lot of times they're locked onto the receiver and they're going to make that throw. And a lot of times they get it successfully. Right. But it's things like that that Patrick Mahomes does in big moments because you forget that was a third down the Chiefs needed to convert. Third and long, yeah. Third and long, and it's that's the point is that Patrick Mahomes on third downs he's the best quarterback in the NFL on third downs. Even with his season not being what we all expected it to be statistically, we see the poise without a superior run game. Yeah. Still go out there and convert third and 19s, third and 13s, third and 11s, third and 8s on a consistent basis. That is why I am of the absolute belief that Patrick Mahomes is going to go on an absolute tear in these playoffs. I'm not going to give you numbers. I'm not going to give you stats. I'm not going to give you in particulars of what I think is going to happen. But what I do think is going to happen and what I will tell you I think is going to happen is we're going to see even more reasons why this man is the consensus, no doubt about it, best quarterback in the NFL, including the MVP, Lamar Jackson, who's deserving of what he's going to get. Lamar Jackson deserves the MVP this season. I'm not going to try to debate that. I tried, trust me. <laughs> but he's not. He's going to win MVP, and he deserves it. Yeah. The dude was an absolute mastermind at his position this, this, this year. Yeah. But Patrick Mahomes is going to show, through his poise, regardless of who they play, the Chiefs have the significant advantage at the most important position, and it is not going to matter who the Chiefs face in the playoffs. I said it before the season, and I was very confident about the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, that this is the first time in my entire life I have picked the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl, and they're going to do it. Those were my exact words on episode 28. In episode 45, I feel even more stronger about that. Because not only have we seen what this defense is capable of, but we've seen more from Patrick Mahomes as a player than we did even in 2018. Yes, last season, he put up an all-time great season, statistically. And he led a team that had no business being in the AFC Championship to the AFC Championship and should have been to the Super Bowl. This time around, Patrick Mahomes is going to show us that you give him a little bit of a defense, he's going to take you all the way. The Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl this year. And I hope all of you realize that. Regardless of who they play, one thing remains the same. Patrick Mahomes is going to be the best player on that field. We're going to take a break real quick, guys. When we get back, we're going to do the Monday Mailbag. 
Casey Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hemp Co. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. It is mailbag time. The Monday mailbag. We have been doing this now for, I think, a little over two months now, guys. And we've been really excited about this because we've been getting your guys' insights, your thoughts, your questions, your debates, your discussions. And I, quite frankly, think it's made this show a lot better. So we really appreciate everyone that's con- uh, contributed. This week, it's actually been kind of a special because our guy, Shane, dropped the hammer and gave us multiple questions. We appreciate. So we're just going to give uh, our guy, Shaggy Shane, all the opportunities. Is that, is that the, the questions that we have right now yes, from our guy, Shaggy that, Shane? That Eddie, take it away, man. Questions. Uh, so the first question uh, is, uh, now that the Chiefs have the bye and our two wins from the ultimate goal, how long can we continue to be concerned with other teams tank, uh, taking our coordinators to become head coaches? Okay, so the ongoing discussion is Andy Reid's coaching tree. Yep. And if you look across the league, I mean, from Sean McDermott to Ron Rivera to John Harbaugh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Yep. Uh, Doug Peterson, obviously, uh, of coaches that have succeeded outside of Andy Reid and have been great coaches on their own. Um, what I will say to that, and I'll keep it very simple, very brief. If you, if Andy Reid can con- continue to excel with those known commodities, without those known commodities under his staff, I have to believe that that, it, that trend is going to continue because of the fact that it shows us that Andy Reid's success runs deeper than just the ones around him. I obviously know that you have to have success, you have to have good, uh, uh, adequate coaching around you to succeed as a coach in this league. You have to have that. But I think it shows us that Andy Reid is that system. To me, I'm going to give Andy Reid a lot of praise right now. I think Andy Reid is the Peyton Manning of head coaches. What I mean by that is. No matter where Peyton Manning went, or no matter who was around Peyton Manning, right. one thing was always consistent: Peyton Manning. Right. Andy Reid has had one of the most consistent. Similar to LeBron James too. He is the system. Yes, yeah. Andy Reid has had one of the most consistent coaching careers in NFL history. Mm-hmm. Every single season since, uh, besides twenty, was it twenty twelve? Since twenty twelve, he has had only one season of fewer than ten wins. He had nine, and that was in twenty fourteen with right. the Chiefs. That's my point. This guy yeah. has been unbelievable. He's had, what, 74, 73 or 74 wins since he's been in Kansas City? Yeah, it's incredible. That's averaging over 10 wins a season. I think it's the hottest start to any coaching start with joining a new team. Yeah, and, not, and not just that. Yeah. He is 37-3 and three in his last 40 games. I'm sorry, was it, is it 37-3? Yeah, 37-3, yeah. unless I'm mistaken, in this division. <laughs> the only three losses the Chiefs have suffered in those games was – a fumble against the Broncos with Jamal Charles, which is a horrible fumble. He almost scored a touchdown, fumbles it, yeah. gives the ball up, they win. The three plays in three seconds with the Raiders, and it was a 33-30. to That was a total bullshit <sighs> game. Bullshit, and then the yeah, two-point conversion right. against the Chargers on Thursday Night Football last last year, yeah. which should have never even happened. It should have been, been, been offensive pass interference. It should have been offensive pass yep. interference. So those are, the three la- those are the last three losses of Andy Reid's career against the AFC West. Right. He should. I'm sorry. It's 27 and three. I apologize. Yeah. I said 37 and three. Yeah, yeah. 27 and three in his last 30 games as, as the Chiefs head coach in, against the AFC West. He should be 30 and 0 in his last 30 games. If you really break down the way those games went, the way they lost those games. So Andy Reid to me is the reason why he succeeds. Ultimately, he loses a lot of great uh, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, but one thing remains the same, and that's him. Yeah, so the question was, are, should we, is there concern about us losing right. the coordinators? Yeah. Absolutely not. I mean, um, 
concern would be if we weren't having our coaching staff being a hot commodity because that means we're not succeeding because when you're succeeding that's when your coaching staff becomes a hot commodity so i say keep yeah, it coming i love eric Bieniemy to death and i think he's actually going to be a really really good head coach and i think the panthers are more than likely going to get him and i think it's a great fit because he's got a lot of good weapons that he'd have a blast with and i think kyle allen could be a stud in this league he's mobile as well i think he would have fun he could be like an alex smith type of player and i think he would succeed with that kind of uh team but yeah i mean like like i said uh that's a good thing because if your team, just like we see with the Patriots with Josh McDaniels and other other defensive coaches coming out of the Patriots uh, uh, staff, anytime there's there's guys getting hired off staff, that's a good thing for your team. Like you said, Andy Reid is the system, and I believe he he always has somebody else ready. It could be Kafka, it could be one of these guys come in there and become the next offensive. But we all know that Andy Reid is the offensive minded guy. So um, really, those are those guys that come in behind him are more of the armor bearer type guys for him kind of just carry on and really learn from Andy Reid more than anything. That's why these people, these the guys are always hot commodities for offensive uh, teams that are wanting to up their offense and bring these guys in as head coaches because they all the things that they've learned from Andy Reid that they hope that they can implement into their team. That's why they're such hot commodities as a coach uh, candidate. So yeah, it's a, a, it, I actually look at it from a very positive light. It's a good thing for us. It means we're succeeding. So yeah. All right. Uh, his second question is if Andy Reid doesn't get to the Super Bowl this month and continues to lose coordinators yearly, how long are you comfortable with Reid being the head coach? Well, um, quite frankly, I, this is this is the point I made, and I it's a tough one. I, spo- I started speaking about this in the midst of frustration with the losses to the Colts, uh, the Packers. Not, be, not I mean, obviously Patrick Mahomes didn't play against the Packers, but the Chiefs had every opportunity to win that game. They didn't because they punted when they shouldn't have, in my opinion. The Titans' loss was absolutely abysmal. Um, the Texans loss was I, – I don't want to get started on that one. that one. That one really pissed me off too. But I've said all along this entire season, this is year seven. You have the best quarterback in the NFL. You have one of the most complete teams in the NFL. Things are really starting to go your way. There are no excuses. The Chiefs need to be at least in the Super Bowl this year. And if that doesn't happen – I am one of the few people out there. I'm going to say it. I, although everything's feeling good right now, and I don't right. want to, I don't want to sit on this and talk about this for 20 minutes. I will say it. If the Chiefs don't get to the Super Bowl this year, I would like to see the Chiefs move on because of the fact that this, like I said, this is year seven. This is when things really should start to take shape. And if this, if it doesn't happen this year, I have to believe that. Although Andy Reid, I just sang his praises, I have to also be critical and fairly critical on the fact that maybe he's not. The guy to get the Chiefs to the next level because everything on this team right now is a reflection on Andy Reid. Like I just said, he loses his offensive coordinators almost every damn year now, and it doesn't matter. The team still succeeds. But if they can't get to that next level, that also comes on Andy Reid because, like I said, it's him that is the ultimate difference. From Patrick Mahomes being his quarterback, that was his decision. From his general manager being Brett Veach, that was Andy Reid's decision. From Steve Spagnuolo being his defensive coordinator, that was his uh, uh, decision. Everything on this team right now is revolving around Andy Reid's decision making. So if it doesn't work out this time around, when this team is primed and ready to go, the dynasty of the Patriots is just about dead. It's 24 hours away from being dead. And we'll get to that in a second. But we are on the precipice of the Chiefs being that next dynasty. If Andy Reid cannot capitalize on that, I do not want him to be the Chiefs head coach any longer. Yeah, man, that's tough. That's tough going from that one question where we're absolutely just bag, bagging, <laughs> bragging and boasting she, about Andy Reid. keeping us on our toes, man. Yeah, so that's hard to go from one extreme to another. Um, the way I look at it, man, especially for coaches, what makes coaches great is you don't remember seasons. You remember moments. Right, so especially in the playoffs, we remember moments, just like we remember the offsides from last year. You, you don't remember 
the entire game all the time. You remember what killed the game, what ruined it. That's the moment that ruined it for us. Um, so Andy Reid, man, when it comes to big moments, we've seen him choke in, in big moments and, and ruin clock management or, 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 or punt it, like you said, when we should never have punted it. Be more aggressive at times. We've seen him kind of cower to the competition and, and, and play down to where he needs to put you know, the fork in it and finish the game. Um, that's why I, w- I am so, sort of hesitant to say that uh, the enemy is more than likely gone, and I'm fine with that. I think the enemy would actually be a more of an aggressive head coach. So if anything did happen with Andy Reid, I would not, I would have no problem having the enemy as my head coach because I feel he's a very aggressive guy, and I feel like that would be really, really good fit for, for, for Patrick Mahomes. But with that being said, I'm actually going to say I would rather keep Andy Reid, even if we don't make the, the Super Bowl. It's hard for me to say just because of the mystery of what we could bring in to replace him. Uh, I'm really on the fence about it, honestly. Like I, I wanted to initially say, yeah, if we don't make the Super Bowl, I would want to move on from Reed. But it's just, I do believe he can win a Super Bowl. I really, really do. I know we're, we're making a hypothetical right now because I do believe the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl this year as well. Um, but if we don't even reach the Super Bowl, that's that's going to be the biggest test. Just because, and it, it has nothing to do with what we think. Um I do think the, that Clark Hunt just has a, a, a tremendous respect for Andy Reid and, 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 and an absolutely great relationship with him. Yeah. And I don't see him letting him go even oh, if we it, don't It's reach. not going to happen. If right, the Chiefs right, don't get right. to the Super Bowl cheer, Andy Reid is not getting fired. I'm, I'm talking about from my perspective. Yeah, from your personal like perspective, see, yeah. I get it. Yeah, that's, I'm really on the fence about that. That's hard for me to answer, man, because I, I love Andy Reid myself. I loved him even in yep. Philly. I was a big yep. – I always supported Philadelphia because I loved him, and I, I liked Donovan Madden and a lot of those guys uh, – He's a winner, man, you know, but like I said, it comes down to moments. Fans remember moments, and if you're not finishing in the moments, you're going to spoil that relationship with these fans. So, you know, whip out that big hog in your pants, bro, and, 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 and succeed in these big moments and, and get us to the get us to the big dance. And if you, you can do that, you'll be here for a long time, and you'll be a legend in Kansas City. So that's how I feel about it. Yep. All right. Well, that was the second question. Now we're going on to the last question from your good old Shaggy Sheen. Uh, would you all agree that keeping one of these two guys, Bienemir or Kafka, is paramount through, throughout the 2020 NFL season if Andy Reid doesn't take KC to the Super Bowl this month or next season? I mean, it kind of follows through with what I, you know, I was yeah. already saying. I mean, because in my scenario, if it was my way, yeah, I think it would be paramount because I would want the Chiefs to move on at head coach. And I do agree with Trevor. I do think Eric Bienemir would be – uh, an adequate replacement based on what I know of him as a his memory, um, his the way he knows the the gameplay, the game, the the play calling, and the book. Quite frankly, and I, he's a leader of men. Everybody that's ever worked with Eric Bieniemy loves him. He has that, that running is, back mentality. Yeah, he's, a and, back he's like he is he is more aggressive, yeah. and I think that's good for Andy Reid on his staff. He needs more guys like that. Um, and if you look at, I mean, let's be honest. If you look at Andy Reid's last couple of offensive coordinators that left him, they're far more aggressive than Andy Reid is. And I think yep. that has a lot to do with the age factor, too. Uh, Doug Peterson is in his early 50s, um, and Andy Reid's in his early 60s now. That's a 10-year gap. Matt Nagy's in his early 40s. So there's a different there's a different gap. These guys are a little bit more open and, and, and willing to take those risks and chances that maybe Andy Reid at this advanced stage of his career wouldn't want to do. Um, and that's that's kind of where I'm at. You know, as I think that if it can't get done, if Andy Reid can win the Super Bowl, I'm never going to complain about him again, at least in, in a way where I think he should oh, lose his job. Yeah. But if, if, if he can't get it done, then I have to start looking at, man, the Chiefs need to go out there and get a more younger, 
more aggressive style of coach because of the fact that this style for seven years has not gotten them there. And it's not like the Chiefs didn't have teams that were worthy of it, right. especially over the last couple of years. With Patrick Mahomes doing as great as he did last year, they should have been to the Super Bowl. But his but Andy Reid's loyalty to to Bob Sutton ultimately cost the Chiefs. I know D I know D Ford line upsides cost them in that moment. Like Trevor talks about moments being remembered. That's the moment we remember. What a lot of people overlook is how many third downs the Patriots converted by just running simple you know cross patterns right. and just running up the middle of the field and Bob Sutton could adjust. That falls on Andy Reid because he that was Bob was his guy and he stuck with him too many years, way too long. And if the, if if it can't be done this time again, again one consistent piece because Patrick Mahomes hasn't been through it these last seven years. He's only been part of it for two. So what's the one consistent piece in all of this? Andy Reid. Right. So as tough and as controversial as that might be, especially in the in the run and the mood we're in right now, we're all excited and amped up and ready to go. And I just said 15 minutes ago the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, I'm on the side that Andy Reid's going to get it done. Right. But if it can't get done, we have to be able to be real realistic about this and honest about this. And – I think, yeah, I think it would be paramount to keep those guys because I think they would be adequate replacements. Yeah, and that's one of the things, too, I, I failed to mention in my last statement about whether Andy Reid should be – we should move on from him if we don't make the Super Bowl. We've seen it time, we've seen it time and time again with, 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 with coaches that have been around a long time. The game can pass them up. We saw it with, with Tom Coughlin. We saw it with Jeff Fisher. You know, these guys went out – Bottom feeding, yep. trying, trying just to make a, just to have a winning season. I'm not saying Andy Reid's always been a winner. That's never been, that's never been an issue. But as far as you know, guys like Coffin did get it done. Guys like Jeff Fisher have been in big games. Um, but it comes down, like I said, it comes down to moments. What are you going to be remembered for? If, if if Andy Reid never wins a Super Bowl or even gets to another Super Bowl, he's not going to be remembered for that much besides regular season success. And that's what, and that's what we're so used to in the, in you know, in the Chiefs. So that's all he's. What it comes down to is, is like you said, it's just winning the Super Bowl. And if he doesn't, uh, it's it's hard, man. It's hard to move on from a big name like that. But like we like we were talking about off air, like you know who who would who would Robert Kraft go with if it came if the shit hit the fan? Would he yeah. go with Tom Brady or would he go with Bill Belichick? We both like kind of giggled at each other. Like, we probably think he would stick with Tom because yeah. he's so faithful to Tom, and he you know letting and he would be willing more than likely in our mind to let the goat Bill Belichick yeah. walk away. You know, we, we, so it's. It, the game can pass you up as a coach. I don't think it's, the game's passed up Andy Reid because I, he's still the best offensive mind in, this, in the league, and people still try to copy and copy and mimic everything he does. And that's why I, you know, go back to my point. That's why I think he's held a lot back this year because he's going to expose a lot of that in the playoffs. But I do believe, because uh, the original question was about Kafka, right? It was about Kafka and both and, and Kafka. Okay, so like if, like if you, Paramount for um, them, yeah, I think I think if the enemy does go elsewhere, which I, it's obviously looking like it's going to be the case, I think Kafka will be the next offensive coordinator, coordinator. more than likely, just because he's been here since the beginning with Holmes, yeah, and, that's he has, Holmes guy. and he probably has the best relationship outside of Andy Reid, the best relationship with Mahomes as far yeah. as the coaching staff, because he was his quarterback coach, and we saw with like just like with Matt Nagy, he was the quarterback coach with Alex Smith, and he became the coordinator. It just kind of that pattern just kind of I see it repeating itself. Yeah. Uh, and this is just kind of like a little question for for me to you guys. Uh, do you think uh, Andy Reid would kind of like? I mean, he's a head coach, obviously, but do you think he'll let the offensive coordinator actually make play calls in the playoffs? Okay, so this has been an ongoing debate about who's the one that play that that calls Especially the plays. Especially Matt Nagy. Yeah. Let's make it very clear. The offensive coordinator and see every team is different. Offensive coordinators have different. Importance, like if you look at the Seattle Seahawks, Brian Schottenheimer runs that offense mm-hmm. because Pete Carroll's a defensive-minded head co- head coach. Right. That's why Kyle Shanahan ran the offense in Atlanta when he was the OC because Dan Quinn is a defensive-minded coach. Yeah. 
And in, 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 in New Orleans and in Kansas City, their head Minnesota. coaches are going to run the offense right. and the play-by-play part of things. What an OC does in Kansas City is help with the weak preparation. Personnel on the field. Th- yep. That's that's the praise because there was questions asked to Andy Reid in the press conferences this week about Eric Bieniemy and his availability as a head coach. And he talked about it. He addressed a lot of good – I was really – I liked the way Andy Reid handled that press conference because they were talking about the Rooney rule and all those things about him getting job opportunities because he's a black, head, a black coach. Right. And Andy Reid immediately jumped on that and said – this is not about color when it comes to Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. Whether this dude was any color, this guy is an adequate coach, mm-hmm. and he should be getting a head coach consideration from several different teams, which he is. And he's done his time. It's man. because of his preparedness. It's because, and Andy Reid said he has some of the greatest memory he's ever seen from a coach. This guy can memorize the book back. In, and if you know anything about Andy Reid, mm-hmm. this guy's got plays for days. And that guy can demand a locker room. Yeah, and so for Eric Bieniemy to be able to remember. So many different plays and formations that gives you the the comfort in knowing that this guy is more than capable of being a said head coach. And so, with coming back to your question, I think that it's 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 pretty cut and dry. Andy Reid is going to in the games be calling the plays based off his instincts and based on what he wants to see from the offense. Eric Bieniemy is aiding him throughout the week on game film to prepare for the opponent that they face that week, mm-hmm. and is going to give. Andy reads some suggestions and plays and packages that he thinks, from his perspective, fits. Just like with Brett Veach, and not to go on a tangent about that, but on the Brett Veach side of things, I, I've said multiple times that it's Andy Reid that's really making the calls as far as personnel and coaching and things like yeah. that. Brett Veach is going to give those suggestions to Andy Reid and say, hey, I like this guy a lot. I think you should really look at him. That, that's how it happened with Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Brett Veach was the guy that said, hey, that quarterback at Texas Tech – He's a dude you definitely need to be watching. And then Andy Reid saw it, and he pulled the trigger, and he got Patrick Mahomes. So although you might give Andy Reid credit for a lot of stuff, guys like Eric Bieniemy and Brett Veach are doing the work in the background yeah. and are making a lot of things happen. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like I stated earlier a couple segments ago how, about how Bieniemy is the armor bearer, and that's what kind of the role is for the OC for, for Andy Reid. They they kind of just – like like with Bieniemy's memory. You know, I, I know Andy Reid probably still has, is sharp, obviously has a good memory, but Bieniemy, if he, he has a slightly better memory, he's going to help – Andy Reid, you know, with, with making, you know, making sure the audible is the right audible or, you know, making sure the, the first read is the right first read to kind of, you know, just kind of throw, you know, keep him paying attention to the timeouts, keep him paying attention, you know, whether he should throw the challenge or not. Things like that, too. Just the communication, having someone there to have a second set of eyes is more more than actually out there making the calls. Andy Reid is making the calls offensively. We all know that. That's kind of outside of that one time he said that he supposedly let Matt Nagy take the reins, if that was true or not. We haven't really seen that throughout Andy Reid's career. He's always been the guy creating, uh, making the calls, um, and he's the best in the league at it. So, yeah, but for sure. Yeah, I guess my question just came came out because uh, you guys were talking about how BNME is more aggressive, more – Oh, yeah. So That's so, a mentality thing. That's, that's, that's my, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. But that's my thing, though. Like, if you think he's more aggressive, don't you think he should be like, hey, that, Andy, let's that's go That's kind of my it. point, man. Yeah, so that's it's why I like, hey, Andy, we need to go for this. Because yeah, we've seen in games – I think BNME does that. Yeah, and we've seen in games Patrick Mahomes going on a fourth and two going like, give me mm-hmm. the play, give me the play, yeah. let's go, let's go. Yep. And Andy's like, no, come on now. Yeah. Right. It's like, so it's kind of like when does BNME actually get listened to other than 
just film and, right. and all that stuff. Like, I just think that they all they all know their place, and I think that Bianami knows that he's going to make the suggestion to Andy. He might even make suggestions on the sidelines, but at the end of the day, it's going to be Andy that makes that final. Well, call. and that's kind so. of a, a fail-proof system too, because we've seen, like we said, we just got talking about the successful tree that he's created. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody who's an OC is going to be damn near expecting right. to get a head coaching job sometimes. So, right. so, so shut him out, do your job. Well, that's, <laughs> that's it. That's it for confident. that's it for the Monday mailbag. We appreciate everybody that contributes to that. We appreciate uh, Shaggy for sure for giving us a, a list of questions. Those were all great questions Appreciate and valid it. questions. Yep. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some predictions for the wild card round. And, man, I don't know if you guys are ready for some of this. I'm just letting you guys know there. This this isn't this isn't a hot. These aren't hot takes that I'm about to give you guys, but there might sizzle. be a little there might be a little sizzle in there. So sizzle. we'll get back to all that after this. Casey Hardgoods is the brainchild of local Kansas City degenerate Scott Reinerson. Born from a passion of old materials and custom designs, specializing in reclaimed wood, burned art and signs, and upcycled leather wallets and accessories. Follow Casey Hard Goods on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number four. Segment number six. Segment number five. five. God, man, that Monday Mill threw me off. Eight. We are here. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Casey Beard Co. Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Go, go, go. Oh, that was That was... <laughs> <laughs> we had some fun off air just a second ago. I'm not going to go into detail, but that was pretty funny. We're all man. winded. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we got ourselves one hell of a weekend coming up tomorrow, man. Really, really excited. If you're listening to this show on Saturday or Sunday, we are really looking forward to what you are currently watching as you listen to this podcast. Because I think, man, there's some interesting, interesting matchups for this week. And even some of the lesser, more appealing games, I think there are going to be some really cool scenarios some that play matches. out. Yeah. So let's get right into it, man, because, I mean, I don't want to waste any time with this because I want to get right into the heart of what is going on this Saturday. So the, the, the two slated games for tomorrow, and which is Saturday, at 3.30, we have the Bills at Texans. Yep. And then we have later on that night at 7, I believe 7.15 yes, uh, Central Time, yep. we have the uh, Titans visiting the Patriots. So two AFC showdowns uh, to start this whole entire thing off, this whole entire dance off, man. And I – I got to be honest, man. The, the toughest game for me to predict was actually the first one, which is the Bills at yeah, Texas. It's a good matchup, man. The reason why is because I feel like both teams have such potential, but at the same time are so disappointing in their own way. For the Bills, their defense, I think their defense is legit. Let me oh, just get that out of the way. I think legit. I think they are legit. I think I think McDermott has done an incredible job with that defense. I think those guys are, I mean, sure, from Traverius White across the board, they have talent and they have performed. On the opposite side, although I do like Josh Allen, I do like Smokey John Brown, I like Cole Beasley, I like uh, the Singletary, I like Frank Gore. At the same time, this offense is so underwhelming. They are a, not only a boring offense, but they cannot score on a consistent basis, only averaging 19 and a half points per game this season. You're scoring less than 20 points per game in this NFL. You got some serious problems offensively. Uh, uh, Josh Allen consistently misses his wide receivers downfield. He has a lot of undersized wide receivers for a big wide rec- for a big quarterback with a big arm. That's oftentimes hard to do. It's hard to hard to work with. On the Texans side. There's no mystery about it. This this Texans defense is terrible. Their secondary is one of the worst in football. They have been missing J.J. Watt all season long, or as long as he's been out, and he they will be getting him back 
I don't know at what magnitude right. he'll, he'll be back, but he will be back with uplift the uplift the crowd and get the team all juiced up because he is the quintessential leader of that entire team, even with Deshaun Watson. And speaking of Deshaun Watson and the offense, high-flying, exciting offense, fun to watch. Deshaun Watson's one of the five to ten best quarterbacks in this league today. But a lot of times it's Deshaun Watson or bust. A lot of the Texans' successes Most and failures are based upon whether Deshaun Watson could save them or not. Their offensive line is shaky at best. The run game is not consistent. You're relying on Carlos Hyde to be your primary running back. Duke Johnson's good, but not great. Nuke Hopkins is one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in football. I think he's top three best wide receivers in football. He will be ready to go. I think he's going to have a great game. But they're losing. They don't have Will Fuller in this game. He's not expected to play, and that is a significant loss. A lot it's like a, it's a totally different offense without him. A lot like what Brandon Kylie from Six Ten Sports said today when I was driving up to the studio tonight. He made a really good point on on their show. He said that although Will Fuller is nowhere near Tyreek Hill, he makes similar impact to their offense that Tyreek does for the Chiefs' offense. And that makes total sense because he is such a game-breaking we style of player. Us. If you would have caught three of those passes, yeah. they would have blew that game they, wide open. They, that, the Chiefs would have had a blowout loss yeah, this year. Absolutely. Will Fuller dropped three touchdowns yep. in that game. So not having him is a significant loss for this team. So – it's been really tough saying all those things to predict this game. I've been back and forth multiple times. So what I did is I got to the bare minimums of everything. Again, the Bills defense is good, but it only faced four playoff quarterbacks this year. Brady twice, Wentz, and Lamar Jackson. They allowed 185 yards passing and five touchdowns in those four matchups, which is very good. That's very, very good. When your four playoff matchups or four quarterbacks that are in the playoffs, you held them to under 200 uh, total yards and a little over one touchdown per game. Yet they were still outscored in those games, 90 to 57. I worry about their offense more than I can stress. I worry about their, I worry about the Bills offense more than I worry about the Texans defense. I like Josh Allen, but he has had a, again, he's had such a tough time throwing accurately downfield. Which is why I'm going to side with the Texans in this matchup. I didn't believe in the Bills coming into the season. I didn't really believe in the Texans either. But I believe that the Texans going into the season were the better team. And in these types of matchups where it's almost like a toss-up or a pick-em, I'm going with the better quarterback. And I think that that's Deshaun Watson. And I think they're going to squeak out a, a very, very close, low-scoring victory in this game. I'm not confident about it. I don't feel great about it. But I'm just going to go with the better quarterback at the end of the day in this type of matchup because neither one of these teams have clear-cut advantages outside of that position. If it's going to be low scoring, I'm going with the Bills because I think that the, they're obviously, without a doubt, the better defense. Usually I do go with the town the better quarterback in the matchup, but there's a reason that the Texans are at home only a 2.5 favorite. Um, that's 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 nothing. I mean, you're 2.5 favorite at home. That means that the, Vegas obviously is not showing much favor favoritism towards you in the matchup. I, I, this is why Bill O'Brien is a trash coach and he's never been good in big moments. He's terrible in the playoffs. Always has been. I don't care how talented a roster he has. It doesn't matter if he's at home. doesn't matter if he's at, you know, wherever. It doesn't matter where he's playing. He's been horrible. He's wasn't even, he's never even really been a good regular season coach either, especially decision-making, especially challenges and timeouts, uh, clock management. He's been horrible. I don't know how he still has a job to be honest. Deshaun Watson is absolutely amazing and is a top five quarterback in this league. He's absolutely amazing. I don't think it's going to be enough. I think Josh Allen is, regardless of what you think of Josh Allen, I think he's going to give this defense fits because regardless of what you think of Josh Allen and how many points they put up per week, 
He's he leads the league in rushing touchdowns for for quarterbacks. He's very hard to defend. He's hard to keep contained. He's very slippery and he's big and he can burl his way to first downs. And I, I like you said, I do think it's going to be a lower scoring game too. I don't think any team's going to score more than twenty five points. Um, I think it'll be around the twenty one ish points per team, seventeen twenty one points. And I think that works in the Bills' favor because that's the, that, like you said, they've never scored much points, but they win games like that too. I don't think they're going to need to put up good because I think Will Fuller is a bigger factor than people are. I know they have um, uh, um, um, Kenny Stills, who I think is a very good receiver as well, but he's not Will Fuller. He doesn't have the side of, size advantage to get up and get it. He's not as fast. He's fast, but not as fast as Will Fuller. And I do believe Will Fuller is going to miss this game. I don't know if they've announced it yet, but I do believe he's going to be out. Um, I give the coach advantage to the Bills. I give the defense advantage to the Bills. And those are the two main reasons why I'm picking the Bills because in these grinded out kind of games, when it comes to these these playoff battles, it, coaching is going to be huge. And I really believe in Sean McDermott. I think he's shown to be one of the better coaches in this league this year. And I do believe in that. that they have a very young, feisty, stout defensive front. And I think in, in, in Deshaun Watson, and since he's been in the league, has been the most sacked quarterback in the league. Even more than Andrew Luck. I know Andrew Luck, I think, was the most sacked quarterback last year. But since in totality, yeah. since Deshaun Watson's been in the league, he's been the most sacked quarterback. And that's going to be big. And he's he's shown to make some dumb decisions, too, throwing the ball downfield. And you got Shardavius White back there making – the guy The guy makes plays. And that defensive front is, is nasty. I think they're going to get to him. I think they're going to force a couple fumbles. I think it's going to be one of those grinder games. And I'm giving the grindier team the victory. So with me, the coaching and defense is what was what nails it for me. Usually, I do go with the better quarterback, but with him missing a big, that's like saying you know we're missing Tyreek Hill in this big you know game. That's the Tyreek Hill type of player. That's the big home run type of player he needs, and he depends on that a lot because he's very good and accurate downfield. And when he doesn't have that, that means teams can double up on, on DeAndre Hopkins, and I trust that that Bills defense to get it done. Yeah, man. Uh, just to to touch up what you guys said. Uh, I think the Bills have the better defense <clears throat> overall between the between the two. Uh, obviously, the Texans did beat the Chiefs, but uh, yeah, that was back 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 then. Uh, yeah, we were still finding our identity. Yeah, uh, they did beat beat good teams. They beat the Patriots. I was decent team uh, at best when they beat them. Uh, but but to me, is Deshaun Watson like throughout this whole season? I don't think he's been consistent. I, I don't think the whole team. That's, that's the whole team. Yeah, right. as a whole, hasn't been consistent. That comes back hasn't, to hasn't been the the Texans that they should be. Right. And, and like Trevor said, I think coaching is a big, big, big part of the of the playoffs. Bill O'Brien is like the Kirk Cousins of yes. coaches. Yeah. yeah. And, and <laughs> a lot of people say, "Well, he came out of uh, from Bill Belichick." That doesn't mean shit. Yeah. You know Bill I mean? Belichick's tree is not nothing. <laughs> exactly. I mean, uh, never been good head coaches. The, the head coach for the Lions came from uh, yeah, Patricia. Uh, same right, thing. He's right. busting so bad. Josh McDaniels right when he now. tried to be a head coach. Yeah, with Denver and <laughs> right. fucking fell horribly. Yep, yep. That only tells you one thing, man. It's like that they're just not good products coming out of fucking New England. Right. Uh, and, and the Bills, the Bills, I, I think they have a, a overall better team, a better competitive team. Uh, yes, Josh Allen might not be the best quarterback, but but I think he he is uh, quick. Like like you said, he had the most rushing touchdowns for a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, he he's mobile. That yeah. that that's gonna he's be a risk taker. Yeah, but, that's going to be the thing yeah. that the Texans I think are going to struggle with keeping mm-hmm. him in the keeping keeping him in the pocket. I think that's they're going to struggle. JJ Watt's going to come back, but I don't even know if he's even going to be a big big. big that's more of a momentum boost. Type yes, thing. and yeah. I think he's just only going to be there for for uh, the like uh, the speech and all that mm-hmm. shit. You know, like the locker room. 
because I don't think he's going to be out there most of that game, especially coming from the injury he's coming back from. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to give the, the the win to to the Bills just because they're a better team. I think they're healthier. Uh, I think uh, their head coaching is, is a lot better. It's the biggest toss-up yes. in, this, in this tomorrow's games for sure. Uh, the, the Texans are currently sitting at a two-and-a-half point favorite at home. Which is less than what most typical home teams get, which is a three-point swing. The playoffs, yeah. uh, so, so obviously Vegas knows that this is going to be a close game. I definitely think it's going to be a close game, but I, will, I mean, I won't be surprised if the Texans win. Let me just put it no, that way, no. though. So, and then and the final game of uh, tomorrow's games is going to be the uh, the Titans at Patriots. Okay, so you guys obviously know that coming into this season, I was the one ringing the bell for the Titans. I felt like this was going to be one of those teams that just stuck around, gave every good team they faced a complete battle, and they did. They, they squeaked, absolutely they squeaked it in. They, they they beat the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs obviously lost that game more than the, Bill, mm-hmm. the Titans won it. The fact is that the Titans are mentally strong. They are mentally strong, and that is that goes so far in this league. <clears throat> in this matchup, it isn't just the mental side of things because I think they're one of the few teams that can match the Patriots mentally because of Mike Vrabel. I know we talk about, you guys just said, the coaching tree of Bill Belichick isn't great, especially in comparison of Andy Reid's. But Mike Vrabel might be that outlier. He was a player, though. He wasn't a coach. I'm saying he came from the tree, though. He was was, because he did coach. He was on the coaching staff with, yes. Short time. It was a short time. And the fact is that he he comes from the Belichick era is what I'm saying. He comes from that vein. Okay. And – he shares a similar mindset, especially oh, yeah. schematically. Yeah, especially everything from that. Right. Yeah, for sure. And if you've noticed in their matchups previously, like last season, they beat the brakes off the Patriots, and that was a better Patriots team. And you can make the case the Vikings or the, the Titans weren't nearly as good as they are now. They have a better quarterback than they did a year ago. They have better receivers than they did a year ago. Yeah. Their running back is better than he was last season in Derrick Henry. Yeah. The Patriots are not better in any regard than they were last season. And they lost by 24 points. Now, that's a regular season game. I think the defense is worse this year, but yeah. Okay, fair enough. But the point is this. If you're looking at this from a matchup perspective, when you talk about the mentality side of things and the skill side of things, the the Titans are the better team. Mm -hmm. They have the better wide receivers. They have the better quarterback. They have the better running back. They have the better offensive line. And the defenses are comparable. I'm not saying that probably the, the Patriots have the better defense. They definitely have better defense. But the Titans have faced better teams this season. So that's my point, is that you they've been more battle-tested this season, and I don't think it, it matters that it's going to be in New England. Yeah. I think this is the last game we will see Tom Brady in a New England Patriots jersey. I think that we, we can debate of whether he's going to retire or not. That's for another time. That's for another show. But I do believe Mike Vrabel is going to lead. Derrick Henry is going to muscle through that defense. They have struggled against the running game all season long. I think Ryan Tannehill... Everybody talks about his record against the Patriots. He's 0-6, and he doesn't put up good numbers. That was on a shit Dolphins team. This guy is on one of the better, more complete rosters in the NFL right now. I think they go in there. I think Mike Vrabel is going to have his team amped up, ready to go, and it is such poetry. I know if Chiefs fans want to see you know, Patrick Mahomes end the, the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady dynasty. The Chiefs aren't going to get that opportunity. They already took care of their business in New England. The, the the predecessor, the successor of Bill Belichick, that is Mike Vrabel, the mastermind of the mastermind, is going to end his own coach's dynasty. I think that's how it's going to go. I don't know if I'd call Vrabel a mastermind yet, but I just – I think everything inside my brain, my reptilian brain, 
I want to go. Oh, with, I didn't know Sammy Watkins was on the show. Yeah, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, I'm from outer space. Um, I want to say everything in my brain logically wants to say that the Titans, because I do believe they are the better team, are going to win this game. But everything in my gut, as far as my gut feeling goes, like you said, this may be the last game that Tom Brady plays in a Patriots uniform. That alone, I think, will spark that locker room just to give every bit of, of motivation you can get with these guys that have been there and done it. I'm not saying Brady's going to go out there and ball out and have a great game, which it could very well happen. I'm picking the Patriots in this game because I know we can, we, we've heard it all year long. Oh, they have the experience. They've been there and they've done it. I just, I, I don't really have a really a great reason to be honest with you. I just feel like my gut is telling me that this is one of those games where the Patriots just, Everyone's kind of, they've had a little time between the last game. I know they just the, the, the confidence you, you would think couldn't be lower after their, their blunder to to Miami and letting Ryan Fitzpatrick go down there and, and score. So why couldn't Tannehill do the same thing with much better offensive weapons? I just feel like this is one of those games, man, where it's a matchup thing. And I know the matchup should favor the Titans, and it logically should and will. I just I'm picking the Patriots kind of blindly here just because I just feel like I know it's not good analytical or analysis from my end. I just feel like this is one of those games where Bill Belichick just does his thing and has his guys in the right place mentally and physically on, on the defensive side of the ball to where they 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 either stuff the run or they, they shut Derrick Henry down. If you just shut Derrick Henry down, that 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 throws a wrench in, in all the gears of that offense. And I, I feel like that's what's going to happen. I'll, I'll push back to that real quick. And yeah, I'll get yeah, to Eddie's yeah. prediction real quick. I don't feel confident I, in what I, I just said, so I'm just saying. Okay, let's look at the body blind. work. Let's look at the yeah. body work and the sample size here of the Patriots this season. Uh, Texans, Chiefs, Ravens, mm. And then you can throw in the, the, good the, the, the Dolphins if you want to. What is the what is the trend with all those teams and what they did to the Patriots? They all have quarterbacks that can mm. extend plays, and the Patriots had no answer for that. Sure. Ryan Tannehill is a quarterback that extend plays. For me, I understand that Bill Belichick is going to scheme the living shit out of this game. Mm. He is going to have his team prepared on the X's and O's. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you got to have the guys, and they don't have the guys. Right. So the reason why you couldn't – I don't want to speak for you, yeah. but I, I like to think the reason why you couldn't find anything analytically is because there isn't anything. No, no, no. It, it's going to have to be no, – That's true. The Patriots have yeah. been living off of two things this season. The easiest schedule in the NFL and the fact that they've won a lot of games off of like crazy – uh, mind fuck type of situations where block punt touchdowns yeah. or trick trickery plays. When you're relying on stuff like that, you're not a team that can win playoff games. Right. So I feel very of all the games this week, we went from the game I felt less confident in to the game I feel most confident. In. I think I feel better about this game than even the Vikings and Saints game, which we're going to yeah. get to in a second. I think that the Titans are going to take. Well, care I, will, of I will throw an analytical thing out there. One thing the Titans defense is maybe the worst at is the running back screen game, and that is the strength of the Patriots offense. Will we so, call it a strength, or we just call it maybe one of their better It's their guards. I mean, that's yeah. – I mean, They don't really have a lot of offensive strengths. Sucks, so yeah. Tom Brady has to get the ball out fast, and James White is one of the best pass-catching pass yes. running backs yes. in the last you know few years. So um, I can definitely see that being a thing, and if they can slow down or stop Derrick Henry in any way, um, which which Derrick Henry is the type of running back that the Patriots can stop because he's not, later, he's not laterally quick. He's smash mouth, and that's the kind of guy that you, they could. I know, but that the, the, the pages have a very good linebacker core. They're just not quick. But the, 
Derrick Henry's not the kind of guy you have to worry about with quickness. He's the guy you have to worry about running you over. And I think they could effectively stop him, possibly. But they, yeah, this is more of just a blind take on my end. I just, I guess this is more of a gut feeling thing. My brain, like I said, my brain and everything inside my my logical senses is telling me to go with the Titans, but I'm going to pick the Patriots. Okay, um, so I'm, I'm I'm looking into tomorrow's uh, tomorrow's uh, weather. I just wanted to see what what it was going to be like in mm. New England. See what kind of what was they have to play with and stuff like that. So they're expecting uh, rain to be throughout the whole day uh, leading up to the game, and then once the game starts, there's supposed to be heavy snow with rain mix. Mm. So I, I think that's going to limit that the the passing, the throwing. I, I think it's going to be a, a a a lot less. And this only leads me to the Titans having the better running game with the quarterback and the running back. Big both because the quarterback is like like Lance said, it's mobile. Mm-hmm. He he's very mobile, and, and with the conditions that are going to be out there with the ball being slick and and stuff like that, you want a strong running game. Yep. And, and I think the Titans do have that edge on the Patriots. And with with that being the weather, uh, I I don't know if. Tom Brady's going to get comfortable enough throwing that ball downfield. We haven't seen much of that throughout Shit, this season. we haven't seen season. that with good clear weather. Exactly. Yeah. So now with the uh, heavy rain and rain, uh, heavy snow and rain mix, in, like starting the game, mm-hmm. it, it makes me believe that the running game is going to be a big, big part of this game. And, and I think the Patriots. The, I think the Patriots and, know that. And for that reason, I'm going to pick pick the Titans because yeah. they're just better in that aspect than the than the Patriots. Yeah. So uh, my pick is just going to go to the Titans for sure, man. Yep. Yeah, that's 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 kind of where I'm at, man. I think that it's week 17. You know, everyone talks about, well, you know, the the Patriots, you know, are going to be pissed off going to this game. Right? Guys, they ha- they had to win that game in week 17, and they lost yeah. to a team that had nothing to play for, literally nothing to play for. And they were that's the point. All their starters. So yeah. that, it, that tells you. <laughs> they knew they were trying to play for that bye week, and they couldn't get it done. So yeah, their confidence could not be lower. I mean, it wasn't I'm like expecting it wasn't like Ryan Fitzpatrick won that game on like an 80 yard you no. know, touchdown pass. Storm it was a 12 play yep. drive. That that Patriots defense is tired. They've had to carry that team all season long. They're wearing out, and now you're going against the league leading rusher and, and Ryan Tannehill's playing like MVP style yep. football. I I don't see it, man. So um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to take uh, to Sunday. We're going to give you guys the preview on that, on the games between the Saints and Vikings and the Seahawks and Eagles. We'll get back to that after this. Wasteland Society, an apparel brand inspired by the underground, the weird, the youth, post-punk, 80s and 90s pop culture, and the idea of living life on the opposite end of the spectrum to the fullest. Hand-printed in Kansas City using an eco-friendly printing process on sweatshop-free garments that are ethically made in the USA. Find them. We are Wasteland Society on Instagram. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number six. I don't think we've done this very often, guys. We have made it to segment number six. Space. I'm your host, Lance Twiddle, here inside the KC Beard Co. Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell What's going on? and Eddie Ortiz. Yeah, yeah. Let's get to the Sunday matchups. We have the Vikings visiting the Saints. Of all the matchups this week... This is the biggest spread amongst yeah. all of them. Vegas has it at a minus eight in the favor of the Saints. I don't think that should really come to anybody's surprise because of a few factors. One, the New Orleans Saints are an absolute beast in that state in that Mercedes Benz dome. Is it Mercedes? That's Mercedes Benz, right? Yep. Okay. For some for some reason, I thought that was the Falcons for a second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Regardless, that dome, they are an absolute beast in that place. 
And it's very hard to beat that team, period. Along with the fact that on the Viking side, they have, I would probably say, the biggest choke artist quarterback that we have in the NFL right now. And it's frustrating <laughs> because I believe Kirk Cousins is a pretty good quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's got the skill. He plays well on him more, more often than he doesn't. But when it says prime time next to that game, or if the nation is watching that game, we know Kirk Cousins is going about to shit them pants of his. <laughs> and that's what's going to happen. I don't want to break this game down very much because I think this is the most basic, the most fundamental, the most easy game to talk about. I think the Saints are going to absolutely roll. In fact, I think they beat the Vikings by more than eight points. That that Vikings team is very good, and I like their coaching. It's a great run. I think I think I think Zimmer's a damn good coach. I think that they have a lot of great pieces around Kirk Cousins, but at the end of the day, you're going to need to him need uh, Kirk Cousins to make plays at the quarterback position. And he's just not going to do it. I think that the Saints are going to win this game comfortably. I think they're going to be out there. They're going to be clicking. Drew Brees is playing some of the best football he's ever played in his career. That's saying something. He's the most statistically proven quarterback in the in NFL history. So with him clicking, with Alvin Kamara healthy, with Michael Thomas having an all-time great season, with the Saints defense playing at an all-time great level for them, for them as a franchise, mm-hmm. I just think it's too much for the Vikings, and I think the Saints are going to roll in this one. Yeah, usually, I mean, when you see a team trending downward into the playoffs and then the team absolutely peaking, heading into the playoffs, the Saints are the best team in the NFC, in my mind. I think they're the most experienced. They're the team that they're the team to beat in the NFC, in my mind. I know the, the Niners are the hot team, but they haven't been there before. Garoppolo has everything to prove. Drew Brees has been there and done it. Drew Brees is a true champion possibly the greatest to ever do it in some people's eyes and no argument for me um that's to me what sets it apart and not only are they the better team they're also trending up and the vikings have been trending down they had numerous opportunities to 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 better their to better their record and win games they should win and they've and they've squandered those wins due to primetime games with with kirk cousins and this might be the biggest game of his career um heading into this matchup here um yeah i just think the saints outmatch the Vikings in every sense of the game, maybe outside of the running game. I think Dalvin Cook's a better running back than Kamara is. I think Kamara's maybe the better dual threat as far as his catching ability, but he's had a, a definitely a down year compared to his year, uh, the previous year. Uh, Dalvin Cook is the only hope I think for the Vikings. If they can get that running game going, he is an absolute game breaker. That guy is incredible. Um, so in my mind, the only chance they have is they, if he gets off, if Dalvin Cook can get off and they start off hot and get a you know comfortable lead in that defense, because I believe in that Vikings defense is very talented and young. Um, that linebacker core is quick. They could keep up with Kamara and, 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 and encapsulate him. Um, and if they can hit Drew Brees and make him uncomfortable, that's their only hope is, is that this hitting Drew Brees and getting that run and getting Cook going. Outside of that, if, the, if they have to depend on Kirk Cousins to get it done, good luck. Uh, and that's coming from me. I had I had the I had the Packers and the Vikings in the, in the NFC Championship game, um, but I will. I just I lost a lot of faith in them. I thought they were going to. I mean, I still believe in that defense, but yeah, Kirk Cousins has shown time and time again he can't win big games, and that's it's it's really as simple as that. Drew Brees is going to win this game. Period. Uh, for me, it's, it's pretty easy and simple. Uh, Kirk Cousins against Drew Brees. Uh, who's the better player? Who who's the better leader? Uh, who has the better team? Who has the better receiver? Uh, and obviously, I think Drew Brees has all that. Obviously, they also have the head coach yep. to do it with. So to me, this was a no-brainer. It, it was as soon as I saw the matchup, I was like, "That Saints are gonna easily, easily win this game." I don't, I don't know about easily, but yeah, I think I, 
Look, I think, it's like, I think, it's like Kirk Cousins I think it's one of those games that's actually going to be close. If you switched that. rosters but kept quarterbacks, I'm picking the Vikings. Yeah. Like, that's the difference. Like you just said, it's it, it's going to come down to who's who's got Kirk Cousins, who's got Drew Brees. It's right. really that simple. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because both these rosters are super worthy rosters. Absolutely. Great coaches. Like, you put both Drew Brees, great. put Drew Brees on the Vikings, that is, to me, probably the favorites to make it out yeah. of the NFC. Yeah, because the Vikings have the better defense. Yes. Not by a long shot. No, but they, they do. They Statistically, do. they've been better this year. They do. And with Dalvin Cook and, like you said, Trevor, with Stephen Diggs and, and Adam Thielen and yeah, Mace, and, uh, and uh, Kyle Rudolph, things like that. I mean, they, they got an offense, man. That offensive line is good. Mm-hmm. It's been better, I should say. But yeah, it's it, to me, I think they're going to win by double digits. I, yeah. I really do. It's, it's probably a, pull away at the end, but I think it's going to yeah. be a close majority of the game, though. Drew Brees is just on fire, man. Yeah. I'm, and, I'm and, with and not only is he at, he's at home as well. That's what I'm he, saying. He yeah. didn't lose at home, man. So yeah, it's going to be quick, steady. Um, and then we have the final game of this of the wild card round. Uh, the Seahawks are visiting the Eagles. This is the game. <laughs> I, I, I man, I game. really hope. I really hope the NFL finally sees this and says, okay, enough is enough. We need to figure out better seating for the playoffs because under no circumstances (laughs) should the Seahawks, who won 12 goddamn games – should be going to Philadelphia against a nine-win team. It should never, ever happen. I'm so sick of division team, division winning teams getting an automatic home home game. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It should never be the case. The Seahawks should be playing in Seattle. Having said that, I don't think it's going to matter that much. I love Carson Wentz. I think he's a damn good quarterback. I yep. think he is severely underappreciated across the nation. I think a lot of people like to talk shit on him because he's the Eagles quarterback. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl there while he was the quarterback there and was injured. There's a lot of unfair criticisms on Carson Wentz. He's the only quarterback in NFL history to throw for 4,000 yards in a season when he didn't have a single wide receiver catch for 500 yards. Mm -hmm. That is an insane achievement. It means a lot. It means this guy can make do with what he's got. At the same time, the Eagles are too banged up. I know the Seahawks are missing Chris Carson and uh, Rashad Penny. Mm -hmm. Having said that, the Seahawks were never a team that were going to win based upon the fact that they had a good run game. It's always going to come down to whether Russell Wilson can make the plays and if their defense situationally can make the big stop. They, The Seahawks are relying on Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll's ability to scheme up on the defensive side and keep his team motivated and Brian Schottenheimer to draw up the right plays. Because now, a lot like uh, uh, BK also said this on his show today too, this is going to force oh, – I'm sorry, Nick Wright actually said this on his show today, first things first. This is going to finally push the Seahawks in the right direction of how to run and operate their offense, and that's through Russell Wilson. Too many times this season have we seen the Seahawks force the ball up the gut. It's a very Schottenheimer-esque thing to do. We all know that in Kansas City. Yeah. The Schottenheimers love it's to run that ball up the gut. And it's fine. It worked a lot for the Seahawks this year. But if you watch that first matchup against the Eagles – uh, and the Seahawks, the, the Seahawks won 17-9 in Philadelphia. That was an ugly game, and it should have never been ugly. The Seahawks should have blown the Eagles out because of the fact that the Eagles could not score on that defense and the fact that the the, the Seahawks' offensive strategy was so conservative, it was sickening. Yeah. And the, ironically, the game, the play that broke the Camels' back was a trick play that, that Brian Schottenheimer wrote up for Russell Wilson to throw downfield, and they got a touchdown on it. I think that the Seahawks offense is going to click. I think that you're going to see a lot of DK Metcalf this week. I think he's going to tear it up this week. I think you're going to see a lot of Lockett. 
I think you're going to see those guys get a lot of plays downfield, and Russell Wilson is going to have himself a heyday. I am picking the Seahawks. The spread right now is the Seahawks are the one one and a half point favorite. I think they cover that. I think they get themselves a touchdown victory in Philadelphia. Yeah, this is this is the battle of the banged up man. This yeah, I think is, this, this is be the best game of the, of the that's week. That's why I, I I know I know you were hating on the the fact that the Eagles even made it. But let me say something, man. It wasn't that they made it; it's the fact they got a home game. Right, I don't yeah, like that. Yeah, they should they should be going to Seattle. For yes, sh- for sure. Um, but. I, Doug Peterson, man, the fact that he willed this team to nine wins, they have lost everyone. <laughs> he, two of their best starters in the last five weeks have been guys from the – they've had a call from the practice squad. They have a – they have a the wide receiver, I forget his name, man. It's, it's, it's escaping me right now. But he's been he's been absolutely tearing it up the last few weeks, man. He's been the biggest reason why they've won some games. He's made some really big touchdowns and big moments. Um, and then uh, Boston Scott, I believe, is the running back that they called up who was like fifth on their list. Uh, and then a rookie, Miles Sanders, who I love. He's been making big – he's a big play waiting to happen. And this all goes back to – Dallas Carson. Goddard, too. Yeah, I mean, I mean da- Dallas Goddard, who I, I think is a stud. I mean, Zach Ertz yeah. has been in and out the last couple of weeks. Hopefully, and he probably won't play this game. Yeah, either. I'm hoping he does to make it interesting. But Dallas Goddard is absolutely a, a legitimate tight end threat. Um, but, yeah, um, this is this game, man. It's, it's, it's a cool narrative because both of these teams – have lost so much this year and will themselves just to the, the amount of wins that they have. Um, that's why I have so much respect for him. This is Russell Wilson. That's what it comes down for me. I, I the, the battle of the quarterbacks here. Russell Wilson is the guy who's going to make the extra play that Wentz wasn't able to make. Um, I love both these guys. They're both similar quarterbacks, if we're being honest. They both like to extend the play and chuck it downfield. Uh, but DK Metcalf is the difference maker on, in the offenses because he's the guy because he actually because Russell Wilson actually has a guy that can go get up and get it. Uh, Wentz doesn't have Alshon Jeffrey. He doesn't have the weapons. He doesn't have the Deshaun Jackson. He doesn't have those guys right now. Um, and that's really gonna, what it's going to come down to. These Both these defenses are, are fighting tooth and nail just to make plays. And th- th- Both these defenses aren't very good. If they're good in one area, they're really bad in the other. Um, but yeah, I, I do think DK Metcalf, like I said, is going to have a really – like you said, is going to have a really big game. I think we'll see plenty of him. Tyler Lockett's been really trending downward. He hasn't been playing too too well the last few weeks. Um, and he's been banged up as well. Like I said, everyone on these rosters is banged up and is willing themselves. Um, but I do expect Seattle to go in there and, and, and take, take control of this game just because of the fact that I know there's two really good quarterbacks, two really good coaches, but I believe that the experience is really going to come into play here, and that's that favors Seattle. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, like you guys said, uh, both both teams are coming into it pretty pretty hurt, pretty pretty banged up. You don't really know it's the banged up bowl. It's you, fun. You, you, you don't know the banged up. What to expect? Because yeah. they're both coming in banged up. You know it's gonna be some trickery. They're gonna have to pull some. And the Seahawks were what about two inches short from yeah getting a buy, dude. I mean, you, yeah, you're talking sucks. centimeters from yeah, yeah getting that yeah. first round buy. So I, I mean, your dick size. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not close. They were that close, bro. Fuck. <laughs> That's pretty darn close. Oh <laughs> man, you're welcome. Uh, oh shit. I, I just think the Seahawks have uh, have uh, the better team, uh, even even uh, with the, the banged up rosters. Mm-hmm. I just think the Eagles are just suffering way too much. Uh, they were able to make it this far because the Cowboys fucking completely shut the bed against the Eagles, and somehow the uh, Wentz was able to pull out from from the Giants, even though it was a close game yeah. through halftime. So. Sadly, yeah. Uh, I just, I, I just think the the better team, the better quarterback is the Seahawks at this moment in time. Uh, if we're being honest, uh, Carson Wentz is is a great quarterback. He does great, just trying to extend the plays, like you just said. But, but I think overall, I think Russell Wilson is that guy that you want uh, extending those plays, extending those he's drives. Been there. Yes, he's yeah. been there before. He 
So he knows what, what's going on. So I, I just think there's a bad matchup for the Eagles at this moment. Uh, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Seahawks. So yeah. we got. So we got. We got Trevor. You're taking the Bills over the tight or the, the Texans. I'm taking the Bills and the Patriots. Eddie, you have the the, the Bills. Uh, the Texans over the Bills. Yeah, uh, no, no, you have the Bills, have the Bills, over, the Bills over the Texans. I have the Texans over the Bills. Trevor, you have Patriots. the Patriots over the Titans. Yep. I got the Titans over the Patriots. I have the Titans over the Patriots as well. Then Trevor, you have uh, against Saints. the Saints. Yeah, Saints. That's unanimous yeah. over the Vikings. Saints. Saints over the Vikings. Same here. So that's the, that's the only one well, I think we all agreed on. Really. That's well, way. no, I think we agreed up on the, on the Seahawks though. Because yeah, then the yeah. Seahawks, all, uh, we all agree the that's Seahawks. That's still will be not good. a layup, though. It's not a layup. No, no, no. That, that game, I mean, dude, the so Eagles, Eagles could legit win that I, game. I, dude, I think Doug Pearson could win that game for them. It could yeah, happen. It could definitely be an outcoach game, but yeah, for sure. I'm going to say this. I'm going to end this segment, and then we're going to get to – we're going to hand out some L's. Mm. You can react to it how you feel. And I'm kind of jumping ahead because I we know. have to get through these games first. Do not be shocked. If we end up with the Chiefs Titans AFC Championship, don't be shocked. We're gonna hold this L next. <laughs> <laughs> don't be shocked if that is what we end up seeing. I tweeted, I tweeted out last night, and I mean this, and I'm going to say, and I'm not trying to give too much away. The AFC Championship is gonna be played at Arrowhead, and I will leave it at that. Guys, what time is it? Hold, hold this L, L. Lance. It's time to hold this L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the who? The her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating L. Man. You are one pathetic loser. You ignorant man. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. Hold this L. Brought to you by Casey Beard Company. Since 2014, Casey Beard Co. has been providing you with beard and skin care products handcrafted in Kansas City with 100% organic ingredients. You can follow them today on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Casey Beard Co. And visit them on their website at CaseyBeardCo.com. Trevor, who is holding the L. I will make this short and sweet. Um, this L is going to our old friend John Dorsey. Um, in the last in, the, in a three year span, three and a half year span, he's fired twice. Um, as a GM, I mean that on your resume, it's like looking on a resume and seeing that you couldn't hold a job for more than a year or two. Uh, and as let's be honest, he has his strengths, right? The guy knows how to bring talent. Whether it's already identified talent, known a known commodity in the league, he knows how to get it on the roster. He knows how to bring talent and, and create good teams. But what he's not good at is keeping them around or or overpaying or anything financially. The guys is not, and as far as like overall morale and communication within his front office that he runs, it's a clusterfuck, right? And that's just with this recent firing, it's I've never seen anything more Browns. With the fact that they have maybe the most talented roster in the entire league, especially offensively, um, and he squandered it. You know, you don't bring in the right head coach. You don't, you know, hire the right people to to run the show, to direct, the, to, to, to you know, steer the ship. It, it's it, honestly, it's embarrassing, man. Um, like I like John Dorsey. I liked what he did. He brought good talent in Kansas City, um, but the guy just in in, in the long run. 
he's like he's like a hot rebound chick, you know, when you go through a breakup. Smoking hot, it works there for a month or two, but it's like, I know that sounds really sexist and I'm not meaning it that way, but listen, the guy is a very good short-term guy that can get you talent on your team and get you excited for no reason. You'll get excited, you'll have talent, you have names, but then he just walks out on you and leaves you alone. Or obviously just gets himself walked out by the the, the ownership of said franchise. Um, the fact that they squandered what what they had brought into to the to Cleveland, whether it for me it was the big, the biggest reason he got the boot was because he didn't bring in any you know legitimate coaching. Uh, Freddie Kitchens has proven nothing in his career. You needed a a, a proven coach to come in and, and, and you know get in Baker's ass when he needed to um, direct that offensive talent juggernaut that they have on that sideline. It makes no sense that they they didn't they couldn't even get ten wins. They should have absolutely gotten ten wins over there. I just don't. I don't know what the future holds for John Dorsey, but the fact that you're fired twice within a three and a half year span as a GM in this league, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if he's had, what his future holds, if he's going to get another job. I would assume he probably would, but if you're getting fired from the Browns, which is, you know, obviously a dumpster fire right now, um, and they're cleaning house within that short amount of time and they had everything to, to, you know, to look forward to as far as talent goes and as far as everything else that coming from what they've came from for the last couple decades, um, John Dorsey, man, you're going to have to do me a favor, buddy. You're going to have to go ahead and, uh, hold this L. L. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know what John Dorsey holds currently holding L. L. Yes. Yes. Um, and and can can we say that the Browns couldn't stand the heat because they got out of the kitchens? (laughs) (sighs) Eddie, who is holding this L? You should for that comment. I want to throw one more thing, too. Josh McDaniels, when asked about possibly taking the coaching job over there, because I suppose he was a candidate for a coaching job over he there. He still is. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, when he knew John Dorsey was the current GM, he refused to take the coaching job because of John Dorsey. That's uh, saying something. That's that, and that, that also speaks volumes to what he's you know, thought of around the league. Just saying. Uh, so, this L, I should have done it last week. Uh I'm going to go ahead and give it to uh, Sporting KC and Peter Vermees uh, for the simple fact that, yes, they're being aggressive with their signings, uh, with, their, with their new signings, but they're, they're being aggressive with the wrong, the wrong people, the, the wrong players. Uh, they just signed uh, Alan Pulido from, from, from Mexico. He played with Chivas. Uh, they signed him for, uh, well, not signed him for, but they bought him for nine point five million dollars, which is the biggest, the biggest purchase in in Sporting KC's history right. in MLS. Uh, but they're bringing in a talent that's uh, controversial, really controversial. He likes to party rather than play. He likes to. He, he's he's Baker Mayfield, but in the soccer world. He's super cocky. Johnny Manziel more sounds like. And he sucks. No, <laughs> not to top it off. Perfect. Yeah, to, yeah so. Uh, That's a winning formula. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And he's going to be your main striker in 2020. And, yes, he came out of uh, a decent season for in Mexico, uh, scoring, I think, 12, 13 goals in the season. Uh, but you're coming to a league where expectations are going to be a lot higher. Um, though MLS, yes, it's a, a step behind the uh, Liga Amecis, which is in Mexico. Yes, they're a step behind, but you're coming to a to a league where you're nowhere near the competitive athlete that you should be in order to play in this league. Uh, 
there's just no way he's going to work. Uh, I've said it many times, many times before that that should have been Peter Vermees end in Sporting Kansas City's tenure. And now I'm even more into that because of those decisions he's making. Right. Yes, I love it that they're being aggressive, but they're being aggressive for the wrong players. And he does not fit Peter Vermees system at all. It seems like they just went to buy him because of who he is, the name. The name. Mm-hmm. He's built a name because of the reputation he's had, as in like leaving clubs to play in better clubs, but really he it, they're not even better clubs. It's just he went to Europe, came back. So yeah, so in reputation controversies. He that's just the player he is, and Casey's getting pretty much the back end of that deal, which yeah, it's, it, it's bad overall. Feels like they're trying to sell tickets. With yes, the name. Yeah. yeah, they're they're trying to they're trying to please their Hispanic uh, Hispanic fans. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. a lot of Hispanic a lot of Hispanics and a lot of the Hispanic fan base are more against that transaction because of who he is. Right. He's super cocky. He's talked down against Mexican people before, and, and I'm and I'm afraid that he's not going to stop now. Now that he's mm. here in the M- uh, MLS, he's going to even talk a lot more than he should. So for me, Sporting Kansas City and Peter Ramirez, you're going to have to hold, hold this L. L. Hold it. You guys ever know a dumbass? Huh? You, guys yeah. ever, you guys ever met a known a dumbass? Listening oh, to one. Man. Currently yeah. listening to one. Well, fuck you too. <laughs> <laughs> I live with one. <laughs> Dan Snyder is a dumbass. The owner of the Washington team is a dumbass for many reasons. And I can go on and fucking on. To add to his dumbassery, yesterday, dumbass Dan uh, introduces an incredible head coach, Ron Rivera, as their new head coach, which is Awesome. I mean, you think you think, oh man, that's how could this go wrong? How could dumbass Dan make this a bad thing or an awkward thing? Well, you know, let dumbass Dan do what dumbass Dan does. Danny boy. To lead into the press conference to uh, introduce their new obtained head coach Ron Rivera. This is the actual quote, January second, twenty twenty, from dumbass Dan Snyder. Quote: Good afternoon. First off. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> Today is the beginning of a great new year for the Redskin organization. End quote. I, I don't really think I need to say anything more, but I'm going to. Continue. This, the, I have a personal problem with this franchise and with him in particular, the owner, dumbass Dan. And the biggest reason why, besides the... I mean, I don't even know how to express that my my complete um, dismay for that those quotes and how I mean maybe yeah. we need to get this guy a calendar, I guess. Um, it's the fact that this is a franchise that has a racially insensitive name still in our society at this time. Well, I don't, I, you know, honestly, I don't even care if people disagree or not. It's derogatory. It's a imagine having the the Charlotte Caucasians. Wouldn't happen, right? It would offend too many people. Paul. Yet we still have a red skin team. It's to me baffling beyond baffling. And this guy defends it 
And not only has said this, and I know this is a troll job because Thanksgiving has a lot to do with the Native American people and what happened in this country, but I'm not going to get into that too far. But this guy has also had their Twitter accounts and social media accounts intentionally tweet their logos on said Thanksgiving holidays. So I know he knows this holiday, and he's being a complete jackass with this one. I just, man, I... This guy, he has a reputation of his own, and he continues to live up to it. So, dumbass Dan, Mr. Dumbass Dan Snyder, do us at the Spoken Podcast, who has no uh, derogatory or racially insensitive names in our podcast, motherfucker. Go ahead and hold, hold this, this L. Yeah. Fuck you. And your All Confederate right. flag. Yeah. So, that was an awesome episode. I appreciate everybody that's listened. Episode 45 was an absolute blast. Definitely drag me in particular if I get any of my picks wrong. Like, let's say, like, the fucking Patriots decide to play some football for the first time this season and beat the Titans. Don't see it happening. But if it happens, make sure and hit me up. I'm at Lance the Spoken. Trevor, you're at Trev the Spoken. Eddie's at Eddie the Spoken. And you can hit us up on our Twitter account. We're the fucking Spoken. (laughs) The Spoken at the Spoken Pod. Join join us on Facebook at the Spoken. Man, we're about to have a great time, guys. This is going to be a fun run. The playoffs are just beginning. Football. Football is happening, ladies and gentlemen. Real football is happening. I hope you're excited, kids. I really hope you're excited, especially out here in Kansas City, because it's about to be a party. So in that, for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, I am Lance Twidwell here inside the KC Beard Coast Studios. Wrapping up episode 45. We out. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoken. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit.